talking shit welcome this episode's about terrence mckenna the man who liked mushrooms the self-proclaimed not nabob not a guru i guess was part of the psychedelic revolution of the 70s probably i'd say i'd, I'd put him up there with uh, timothy leary and richard albert i put him above leary below Alpert or Ram Dass. Well, I mean, as far as my personal favorites. Okay, okay. I was just, I was just, you know, putting them in the hall of the greats. But you know, when we're talking about favorites here, man, I don't know. Leary always creeped me out. It's kind of a Charlie Manson kind yeah, of. Yeah, he kind of does have a Manson vibe. Yeah. But I mean, you know, he's got he's got some good shit. You know. Yeah. Talks about some good things, but. I am gonna. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Later on, I'm gonna sneak a little Rami D in here just because. Good. Have you seen Tales from the Trip, that Comedy Central miniseries they got on YouTube? I have seen a few of those. Don't they have like several different... Uh... Yeah, they got Shane Moss. Uh, I was going to play a little bit of the Duncan Trussell one just because it gives a nice little intro to... I think uh... that's the one I've seen. Okay. Well, if you want, you can come over here and watch it because it'll add to the experience. Sounds good. But, um, but yeah, uh, check out Tales from the Trip. It's It's pretty entertaining. No! I'm getting fucking attacked by a swarm of spirits! Hi, my name's Duncan Trussell. You should be careful when you take penis envy mushrooms, especially if we have the same mushroom dealer. This is 2011. I was with someone I'd been seeing for a short time and she'd never taken mushrooms. So I'm like, let's drive up to the desert. We'll take mushrooms. Don't worry, I'll be your guide. You know, I'm sure the ride up there, I was giving her some awful psychedelic Jesus style ear beating about what mushrooms are and what she could expect and the healing that would come her way. And these mushrooms I had obtained from a drug dealer. He told me the name of the mushrooms was Penis Envy. And I remember hating that. You don't want to tell the day, like, yeah, these are penis envy mushrooms. Like, these mushrooms are named after, like, the Freudian hangout where women wish they had dicks. This drug dealer had warned me, don't fuck around with these. These were a spore print from Terrence McKenna and Dennis McKenna's private collection. Terrence McKenna and Dennis McKenna are um, essentially gods in the psychedelic community. And I just didn't believe him. We got to this spa. It was this cool collision of like new age healers. And one of them had told me the place was an energy vortex, which means I guess you only need to take like half the dose of the drug that you're gonna take there. We get there and I take the mushrooms. My date takes the mushrooms. And within 10 minutes, something starts happening that has never happened to me before on mushrooms. I'm looking down at my hands on the bed and my fingers are spaghettifying. Like, you, you've probably heard of what happens if you go into a black hole. This was happening to my fingers. My date is like, when am I gonna start feeling it? 
And I'm like, I don't know. We walk out of the <laughs> hotel room and I hear a voice in my head. And the voice in my head says, We are the eternal guardians of the universe. And we are going to do deep work on you today. Can we do deep work on me? another day because i was hoping for just more of like a kind of you know fun laugh trip not deep work voices in your head i told my date i'm like i'm just gonna go lay down for a second and i'm laying on this lawn chair the sun is setting what i'm about to say sounds like something someone who's never taken a psychedelic would say it's like the kind of thing when the cop came to your school and was like if you take acid you're gonna see dragons bigfoot it's gonna like be holding your mom's head in one hand and her tits in the other and it's gonna shake them at you. And that's what drugs do. No, this happened. I'm looking at this now alien landscape, hyperdimensional colors, everything is melting and standing on a tree branch is a gnome. It's like my subconscious was just being fucking lazy and is like, okay, let's just show him a fucking yard gnome or because I was on mushrooms and it expanded my third eye, I was literally seeing a gnome, and whoever made yard gnomes was just being hyper-realistic because that's how they fucking like to dress. I don't know. Suddenly, it realizes I can see it. It looks at me in the same way like when you're at a restaurant and you see, like, a celebrity, and they catch you looking at them, and they're just sort of annoyed, like, ugh. Another fucking high asshole at the spa watching me watch the fucking sunset. You know, I've been rejected so many times. I've eaten hot bowls of shit on stage, but to like be rejected by a fucking gnome, that hurts. And I'm trying to deal with the fact that I'm seeing a gnome. You know, if you do see Bigfoot, you're fucked. Because for the rest of your life, you're someone who saw Bigfoot. Which means that you, when you run into somebody, if they bring up Bigfoot, you either have to be a coward or like tell them what happened, which means for the rest of your life, they're gonna think you're absolutely insane. Because you really, if you run into people who've encountered Bigfoot, a piece of you is like, okay, man, okay. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm sure there's a completely undiscovered primate in the Pacific Northwest. Similarly, when you see a gnome, you're realizing like for the rest of your life, you're gonna have to like be the asshole at the party. It's like, you know gnomes are real, man. And you can see them when you're on mushrooms, the penis envy, what you heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, that was a long way going about saying that Terrence McKenna and his brother Dennis were like ethnobotanists. Um, they both went to Berkeley, I believe. And they not only grew a shit ton of mushrooms, but also um, made their own hybrid strains. Penis envy, probably the most famous one. But yeah, I don't they were know. also philosophers or philosophers. <laughs> um, I like philosophers better. I like, yeah, I like philosophists. I start using that. Um, but yeah, they were philosophers, and they, you know, not only did they propagate these, you know, the use of these uh, mushrooms and psychedelic compounds, but they also promoted a lot of the philosophies that go along with those, a lot of those being um, individualism, valuing the individual experience and, um, you know. Gaia um, or Mother Nature. That, that, that. That's part of it. I would say that's probably not even so much a central, like as, as much as distrusting authority and like, you know, um, 
it depends what you're like, listening yeah, to. But, true, but, but Dennis and Terrence both constantly talked about like you know um, getting in touch with Gaia or, right. or Mother Nature, like the um, basically the force using of the energy yeah. of the the entire Earth, like the being of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they 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 uh, Terrence especially. I mean, you there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of him talking about God knows what. Right. Exactly. I mean, they also used Gaia a lot of times as a symbol for, you know, um, just the network that, you know, we're all involved in. They talked a lot about the network of all things and, uh, you know, they've, the net of Indra, just so many different concepts, uh, philosophical concepts, you know, they're, they're responsible for uh, propagating and, and making popular and, and just making a lot of people think and question, um, you know, the systems yeah, that we find ourselves in. Yeah, I think it's fair to in. say that both of us were pretty heavily influenced by Terrence, particularly. So Definitely. we thought it'd be fun to do this Definitely. one, just because, like, especially when you're around the age we were and you first hear of him, is I, I heard of him through B- the Bill Hicks bit, just like uh, Rogan did. Where he, I think that's how Rogan said he found him. The Bill Hicks bit, where uh, Bill Hicks is talking about, I did the Terrence McKenna recommended heroic dose. Right. And my third eye was squeegeed. <laughs> That whole, that's where I first was like, who's Terrence McKenna? I looked him up, and then exactly. that was the rabbit hole. That was what sent me down the rabbit hole. I think that was a lot of people's exposure to him was Bill Hicks. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, because back in... That that was probably the late 80s when Bill was doing that joke. So, um, right. yeah, I think most... I mean, it was before the internet was around, but nobody really had it. So, yeah, Bill Hicks talking about that probably uh, doubled... The audience of McKenna because McKenna, I mean, th- th- these talks weren't being streamed like it wasn't no, like it was weren't. a podcast like they was physical audio tapes or I mean, you had to go like listen to them in person. It's honestly kind of interesting to just observe even that the nature of that relationship, the fact that back then before the internet, you had to have this network of free thinkers. You know, uh, if 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 I mean Bill Hicks because you know he was a free thinker of a certain order uh, you know, on his own. Um, you know, somebody listening to the ideas that he was putting out there, you know, would be very interested to know who his influences were. And, right. you know, it's the same way you see a lot of the network of podcasting and whatnot, free thinkers today. Um, you know, yeah, it, was, it, was it was around like back even then. Even cooler yeah. and more underground. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Special club. We got a, we got a journey through the mind of McKenna clips today. So I'll just, Onward. I'll give you the first couple, uh, just to give you an idea of what Terrence was all about. And full disclosure, I apologize because some of these I could not isolate without having annoying, trippy music in the background. So be prepared for that. Back when I lived in Austin, Texas, my friend Shane Moss, he had just discovered DMT and he was very eager to share it with me. And I'd tried psilocybin before, so I knew what psychedelics were about, but I heard that DMT was on a whole other level. Terrence McKenna once said that DMT is like something that fell from a flying saucer where you're sure you're dead. thought that was a good Terrence impression he did too. (laughs) Like something that fell from a flying saucer. Um... Man, I wish I would have put his name in the clip. It was another comedian that was friends with Shane Moss. Oh, gotcha. Um, it's another Tales from the Trip. They, they got like um, 20 or 30 of those on YouTube now. They're all really good. I'll have to check them out. People who can cut through these many, many illusions, the illusion of materialism, the illusion of business as usual, the illusion of benevolent institutions carefully guiding us toward reasonable destinies. 
if you cut through all that, if you disabuse yourself of all that, uh, you, you will empower yourself to eventually be able to stand up in delicate social and political situations and just say, bullshit. <laughs> That's bullshit. Goes back to the anti-authority aspect you were talking about. A lot of that common theme. It, it was really about um, not letting other people tell you how to think, which is always ironic because a lot of, uh, I wouldn't call Terrence a guru necessarily, but it's like someone telling you how to not let people tell you how to think. Right. Which in in his own way, like I think Terrence, just like Alan Watts, acknowledged constantly the own irony of uh, <laughs> that whole thing where it's like, I'm telling you how to, how to behave and my main tenet of how you should behave is to not let people tell you how to behave. Exactly. And, and so, well, <laughs> but it's honestly, it's necessary. I mean, in, in my opinion, I, I would categorize these people almost like anti-heroes. Um, you know, it, it's, they're doing, <laughs> it, it's like performance art. It's, it's, I'm going to imitate the people who are promising you enlightenment, the people who are, are promising you salvation in my form. But in my content, in my message, my speech, I'm going to basically, you know, Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna were, they were necessary voices causing the American public and the general populace to ask questions. And that's just something that's not common. I mean, most uh, institutionalized religions, um, you know, uh, political venues, things like that, they, they, Free thought is not promoted, yeah. and asking questions is not something that is highly valued. These people were not highly valued. Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna were not highly valued by society. Hey. I mean, in, Watts, Watts more so. Um, I'd but say we'll get into that later. In the eye of the general public, these people are still they would be considered false teachers. They'd be considered. Um, I, I would say McKenna more than Watts because Watts is close. I put him. And really, Watts and McKenna were both, um, like, usually the role of, you know, poking fun at authority and getting people, even sometimes, like, especially Bill Hicks and George Carlin, to just write it flat out, like, question authority. That's the role of the comedian. And um, Terrence McKenna and, and uh, Alan Watts were both, you know, philosophers, but they were almost doing a stand-up routine they a lot doing, of times. Yeah, very much the same thing. And, I mean, I, I know I know, especially Alan Watts in, in the kind of circles I grew up in he would be vehemently hated for his well that's just yeah in the in right. the uh, right. you know the Fun, southern fundamentalist yeah. well well if you look at it it's it's authority versus you know uh individualism you know um i mean it, he would take christianity he would take passages of scripture and take the meaning and go to the original greek and and question the um, yeah, McKenna did that too. Yeah, the consensus view on what was said and 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 the message that was was trying to be conveyed, and that's that's what a lot of Christians, a lot of just just I mean, Christian. I'm not trying to pick on Christians in particular, but you know, really any institutionalized religion would call or just that in, not even institutionalized religion, you know, but just institutions in general. Right. They, they call these kinds of people interlopers and and people who are trying to bring down the fabric of society and 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 bring about chaos. You know, but it's in my opinion, it's necessary. Yeah, while we're still on Terrence's anti-authoritarian bent, 
They're not handing rights out in this society, in case you didn't notice. The only way you are given your rights is if you demand them. And the idea that plants should be illegal and that the evolution and exploration of one's own mind should be of interest and uh, regulated by the state is obscene. Man, the state, man. State. I mean... What he's talking about is something that, you know, isn't discussed very often, but we need to bring it into the public discourse a lot more. And, and that's what are your rights? You know, I mean, less and less every day, especially less, with this exactly. Virus. And I think that's because we don't talk about it enough. You know, I mean, we don't we don't know what our rights are. You know, you have a right to to say certain things, to believe certain things, to w whatever you want, imbibe whatever you want. You know, um, well, with you, anyway. you should. <laughs> a, I mean, uh, America, as far as free speech goes, America's by far the most free, and that's going away slowly but surely here. Right. You gotta preserve it. This one's kind of funny. The way to do cannabis is once a week in silent darkness, alone, with the best stuff you can get, and then. Just, you know, do as much of it as you can possibly do in a shorter time and sit with it. You will every single time be absolutely torn to pieces by it, you know. I mean, it is just astonishing. The problem is that people get into it, myself included, for other reasons than that hallucinogenic uh, uh, flash. But that would really be the ideal way. And also it would prove you were a person of great rectitude and self-control if you could do that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've never talked to a single person where that's their method once a week in silent darkness. Terrence McKenna had a lot of different protocols for many different substances. And yeah, and at the end of that, he admitted he doesn't even do that. But Right. I mean, uh, I mean, I not to say that that's a wrong way to do it. Um, I mean, I'd say if you're trying to Probably go more healthy for you, if you're trying, yeah. If you're trying to use it for a specific purpose, you know, um, finding things out about yourself, overcoming certain problems, that's definitely the way to do it. Um, but I definitely wouldn't recommend <laughs> doing those large amounts in silent darkness on a regular basis. You know, once a week, he said. He said once a week. There's nothing wrong with that. The one way to deal with fear is sit still and wait. In other words, the psychedelic terror is usually fairly unfocused. It is simply raw terror. Well, just sit still and shut up and watch the chemicals in your mind tear those molecules apart. And rarely can the fear sustain itself more than five or ten minutes because it has to, it has the force of a blow, but then you can, you can sustain the blow and chemical equilibrium returns. The other thing, and this is great, very good advice, don't forget it, uh, sing. The way we relate to terror is we crunch, clench, withdraw and hunch over in some kind of fetal position like you're being beat on what you want to do is is sit up straight straighten your spinal column open your air passages and begin to cycle oxygen through and if you sing uh, in a very few minutes the chemical foundations of the fear will be will be washed away 
So that's very practical. So the per- mantra. It doesn't matter. Mantra, yantra, you know, everything becomes profound on psychedelics. I mean, I tend toward row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. (laughs) So I actually, uh, I came across, God, these must be from... close to six years ago, but it was in the height of my, uh, in the peak of my McKenna mania. I was using that method and, uh, kind of made this on the fly and it's pretty bad, but definitely inspired by that speech right there. Hmm. without words hmm. apparently i like your <laughs> I'll, put, I I'll throw that whole thing like at the end creativity. of creativity throw the whole thing at the there's it's uh yeah the word the lyrics and the whole thing were definitely definitely inspired i'll I mean, put that i'll put that at the end right i think i think what terrence is talking about there though is is really interesting uh it seems to me like what he's talking about is modern meditation i mean being okay and really just confronting the internals of your mind, you know, the dialogue that happens there, being okay with your thoughts. You know, that's something that, like, isn't talked about a lot by really anyone these days. You know, um, meditation is something that's not highly valued, many times because you have to get into some sort of a religious system to really get into it. Um, or get into a certain method, but what he was and we're, doing, and we just got like you know, movies, music, TV, like way more than we could ever consume. So it's right. just we, we're we're just way more to be entertained and distracted by. We got these cell phones, right? We look at all the time. There's like, I mean, the yeah, the amount so of meditation that used to happen. Yeah, there's the distraction right. is off the chain these days, so. right? And I mean, it seems to me almost like what he was promoting was a, a religion for the secular, you know. A, uh, a method of, of getting into these things and finding these truths that m- many religions have sought for you know thousands of years through these uh, rigid methods. Or many religions for thousands of years, even before that, uh, used the same method as him. <laughs> it was... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Various, yeah. And g- good and bad religions. Yeah. Um, I mean, all sorts. All right, I got your, uh, got your McKenna clip. We can go yeah, through so here. let me preface this one a little bit. Uh, this clip is, is my quintessential Terrence McKenna, uh, clip. I'm, it hits on just about every philosophy, I think, that he, you know, or touches on at least, you Does know, every, have the, the time wave zero or 
the world ending no, in 2012. Every, every philosophy I find uh, that, that has most greatly impacted me in my, in my individual life. Gotcha. I wouldn't say Time Wave Zero has done done much good for me personally. I like Time Waves. Whoa. What was that? That was nothing. Right. <laughs> Technical issues. Um, Time Wave Zero, I like. <clears throat> the 2012 one, uh, I think, was a little silly. Yeah, but I mean, I, uh, when it comes to his his views on authority, free thinking, you know, even even some views on Gnosticism, I don't know. I just uh, I appreciate him very much. He's definitely the trippiest and uh, craziest to listen to of anybody at his caliber. Well, and and taking out entertainment value, I mean, I don't know who I'd be today. If not for some of the things that he said, some of the you know um, speeches and, and and ways of thinking that have gotten me through some tough times, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with it. What we are trying to do is return the focus of attention to individual experience. We have been slave too long to ideology transmitted hierarchically and based on a tremendously alienating instrumentality. That's what science depends on now, a tremendously alienating instrumentality. What we need to do is empower experience. Well, this is where the psychedelics come in, because citizens don't take psychedelics because it's illegal. Neither do marionettes, neither do robots. None of these well-behaved and mechanistic reductionist images of humanity take psychedelics because it's misbehaving. Misbehaving is a great sin. In fact, it's enshrined as the first sin. You'll regard that the psychedelic issue was there in Eden and somebody misbehaved. Yeah, that's straight back to our Gnosticism yep. episode. And then they got tossed out forever and their children's children into the chaos of history. It's interesting to read in Genesis why this was. It was because they will become as we are, says Yahweh. They will become as we are if they eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. I suggest to you that this is precisely what we should seek to do and that this we is the voice of hierarchy, the voice of paternalism, the voice of the male ego finally right up into the storm god, the volcano god who lies uh, back there in the origins of monotheism. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. It's a wonderful thing to learn to be able to stand up and yell bullshit it, I, I did it when I first, when I was about 18 years old, and it was the meme of the hour, and uh, it held, it, it blew their minds. It did blow their minds. It was uncivil. It was uncivil. It lacked polity. It was rude and crude and correct. Correct. Because so much is being slung and nobody is talking about the primacy of experience and the dignity of the individual. Okay, primacy of experience. 
What is a primacy? Does that mean it's like the prime directive? It's like the most experience is the most important primacy of experience. Yeah. Essentially that, that none of us know what we're doing. So to cede authority to someone else, really all you're doing is ceding authority to someone else's experience. I mean, that's the point he's trying to make. At least that's as I understand it. Um, because, you know, so, so much of our society is sit down, shut up, do what you're told, listen, you know, go here, stand here, six feet apart. You know, yeah. it's, it's, yep. do, do not question, obey, obey. And, and he is saying, you will obey. Yeah. He's saying what you're doing when you, when you obey is you are obeying someone else's experience. And, and you are saying, I, I, I place faith and trust in your experience, your wisdom, your decisions, the things that have happened to you, you know, uh, rather than yourself. And that's something that, that we, we shouldn't be so quick to give up. Have you seen They Live? I have not. As John Carpenter, 80s movie with Rowdy Rodney Piper. Um, it's where you get, you've probably seen the memes of it where he gets, he finds these, this pair of sunglasses and when he puts them on, he starts realizing that all the billboards, like with the glasses on, say like consume, obey, no, don't question like all that. the magazines. No, oh, God, dude, you gotta watch that movie. Um, but yeah, Terrence McKenna was like that, that, uh, long time ago when like the Terrence McKenna phase of my life was like that, that was, he was like the, they live glasses and he starts realizing like all these politicians are like actually like aliens with like Skeletor faces, like lizard people, <laughs> yeah, but you can only see it with the glasses on. There's a, dude, there's this scene where he has this, uh, he like fights. It's like the longest fist fight in movie history it's like literally at least 12 minutes i feel like of them just f- punching each other in this back alleyway while Impressive. he's trying to make this guy wear the glasses and the guy's like i don't want to wear your stupid glasses he's trying to red pill him yeah, by exactly. force yes exactly <laughs> but yeah that that movie's dude that movie's goofy as shit but it's also a perfect metaphor i mean that's kind of what uh terrence mckenna was man he was like a super he was, the he was a super red pill dude he was yeah I mean, for so many people, he was uh, an awakening, even if you didn't get with his psychedelic talk or his uh, time wave zero talk, you know, he did something beneficial. Yeah. Anybody that talks that long is going to say some dumb shit. Right. Of course. The dignity of the individual. We went a long way with this in America before we betrayed it. And it wasn't only betrayed by the clowns in Washington. It's also betrayed by anybody who clusters themselves around the feet of some self-proclaimed nabob. Because the fact of the matter is, nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows. Nobody has the faintest idea. The best guesses are lies. You may be sure of it. And so, to pretend that one human being will lead another out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth is ludicrous, absolutely grotesque, a product of this empowering of the human image that has gone on through several thousand years of dominator culture. If you want a teacher, try a waterfall or a mushroom or a mountain wilderness or a storm-pounded seashore. This is where the action is. It's not back in the hive. It's not in the anthill. 
It's not knocking your head against the floor in front of somebody who claims that because of their lineage and whose feet they washed and whose feet they washed, that you should give credence to them. Knowledge is provisional, and uh, we, we are yet to approach even the first moment of civilized understanding. The way it is to be done is by trusting yourself. I feel like he, in his tone, you can always hear that. Like when he starts saying, "Like don't listen to people," he's you, you can you can see you can, it, you can hear a grin. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. The grin comes through just hearing the audio. Or the, the 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 audience laughed when he when he got to that section when he said, "When you don't cast your feet at the self of uh, at, or yourself at the feet of some self proclaimed nabob," because nabob. he knows that's kind of he's he's mocking himself and in, mocking in, the audience and mocking the audience because these Alan are Watts, the kinds yeah. of people Alan who Watts cast did the themselves at the feet of nabobs and, and and it's the same thing that no agenda does we, we we make fun of the production we make fun of 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 the news as we give the news it's it's don't trust anyone, I say. Especially Listen me. Listen to me. <laughs> well, yeah, no, Alan, Alan Watts would basically just, like, talk for three hours and then, like, throughout it just say, like, and what I'm saying is complete gobbledygook and you guys are eating it up. <laughs> like, in, he wouldn't that's say That's the only that, way to so, learn. Yeah. That's the only way to learn, man. And that's, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. Trusting your intuition. Reject authority. Authority is a lie and an abomination. Authority will lead you into ruin. It's not real. And it isn't, don't get the idea that it's this liberal rap about how everybody has a piece of the action. You know, the Jews know something, the Buddhists know something, the Huichol know something. Nonsense. Rubbish. Nobody knows anything. These are different kinds of shell games that have been worked out by priestly castes of people to keep things under control institutions seek to maximize control 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 that's what they're into did you think they were in the business of enlightening you saving your soul forget it control is what this is all about beautiful clip. true Be beautiful I, I i love Each. that i think that's one of the most important lessons that he he had to teach was question authority you know that, that nobody knows anything you know a personal experience is prime it's it's well, so, yeah some people know more than others I some think people know more than others but that that's not necessarily but, the way things should but, be yeah but, like yeah that in my in my view it, the fact that no one knows anything is what keeps this novel that's that's what keeps this life beautiful is the fact that None of us can get a grasp on the game. None of us can understand all of the aspects. And because and, and, if you could understand all of the aspects, you could control. And, you know, and, and, and that's what life and death is. It's that constant reset. You got to keep novelty. Yeah. I, I had something to say on the control thing, but we'll, we'll get to that later. We, we'll get to that later. But, yeah, some people know more than others. Nobody knows everything. Some people know, and no, nobody knows nothing. Nobody knows everything, and that's why there's hierarchy. Hierarchy. Guidance, direction, mentorship. We always look toward institutions. 
well, I'll go to the university, or I'll go to the army, or I'll do something. Somebody will tell me, will give me a larger purpose. But it's really yourself that is uh, the final arbiter. And if you keep yourself as the final arbiter, you will be less susceptible to infection by cultural illusion. Now, the problem with this is that it makes you feel bad to not be infected by cultural illusion because it's called alienation. You come to this realization, you know, what'll it be? Alienated, cynical intellectual or slack-jawed, half-wit consumer of the horseshit being handed down from on high. There is not much choice in there, you see, and, and we all want our children to be well-adjusted. It's Unfortunately, there's nothing to be well-adjusted to, so uh, that's a real problem. It's almost like we've been inoculated here for this culture. So that's just more anti-authority stuff. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have much to say I mean, on that one. Not, I mean, the, we keep going back over this anti-authority thing because I think it's very important. You know, I mean, it's something that is especially becoming even more pressing as you see with recent events, this whole COVID thing and the quarantine lockdown, you, you see different uh, factions within the government moving uh, WHO, Bill Gates, things like this, uh, vaccines, there's talk of mandatory vaccinations, oh, Bill 5G. Was, Bill said you're not going to be allowed to gather with ever again. Yeah, until everybody's got their vaccines. Yeah. Um, and this is the kind of talk that's needed right now. Question authority. You know, question the narrative. Um. And language is very, very mysterious. I mean, it is true magic. People run all over the place looking for paranormal abilities. But notice that when I speak, if your internal dictionary matches my internal dictionary, that my thoughts cross through the air as an acoustical pressure wave and are reconstructed inside your cerebral cortex as your thought, your understanding of my words. Telepathy exists. It's just that the carrier wave is small mouth noises. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, yeah, he could he could take like the most um, just simple thing and make it sound just crazy and trippy. Like, um, and I don't know, like I know he made up a lot of big words, I just don't know which ones because I'll hear him some like sometimes it's like there's no way that's a real word, and some of them he said he did like he has coined a lot of phrases, but uh, right. Some of I them, mean, yeah, he he has a way of talking about the complexity of the most simple things. I mean, when, when he puts it that way, you know, telepathy is real. I mean, <laughs> telepathy is real. <clears throat> telepathy is real. Israel. Israel. He was a Jew. Think. What you're talking about is brain control. <laughs> uh, here's Terrence on hacking reality. The realization that I think is coming to a lot of people in a it's hurry is that large portions of reality, if not all of reality, is code. Is code of some sort. That the primary reality is language. 
mathematical languages, spoken languages, that syntax is the is the only level you can reach without some set of philosophical presuppositions. And the interesting thing about that, to be explored in more detail, is that if if reality is code, then it can be hacked in some way. Dun, dun, dun. What's he talking about there? Huh? If reality, me in? if reality is code, then it can be hacked, essentially. So that's... Um, that it depends what angle you want to take with that um chaos magic uh occultism uh, you know you it depends how metaphysical you want to get with it but if reality like uh you know or how technical like you want to get a cheat code into a video game basically going to quantum uh computing that kind of thing you get into take science too far to a certain direction and magic and science intersect well, yeah, I mean, reality has been hacked when you consider genetically modified plants and organisms and Monsanto. Right. But I don't think that's what he was talking about. I think he was talking about on a, uh, a higher level than genetically modifying viruses or vegetables. Might be wrong. Hmm. But this one has some music in it. I couldn't get rid of it, so... Sorry. The Buddhists at the folk level in India do say you cannot attain enlightenment unless your mother is dead, which is a kind of an odd notion, seeming to imply that she had to precede you into hyperspace. When you die, what you do is you literally, as appears to happen, you dissolve. And where you go is... Uh, forward and backward into time, not like a gas released into time, but along the tracks and trails of the genetic machinery. In other words, you flow into your children and you, you become, let, well, let's make a very simple model and say at the moment of death, you become your children and your parents. A few moments later, you become your grandchildren and your grandparents. You're spreading down. It's almost as though the, the thing which you were, which was this focus of ego and individuality, then it dies. And it's almost as though the mountain begins to slump back into the generalized pool of consciousness and being. That's why I have somewhat less patience maybe than I should have with the idea of of channeling and and uh, come as you were parties and that sort of thing because it seems to me the key to understanding the idea of reincarnation and past lives is that you were everybody okay what do you think i've actually always well not always but for a long time intuitively felt that um you probably do like in a chain of command in reincarnation like the most logical mathematical thing would be you live your uh, your offspring's lives after, after you die and it's like an endless cycle doesn't matter I mean well we're getting into the weird more wacky Terrence McKenna stuff right at this point, but it's, you know, it, well, that's what I'm saying is that if, if that's true, doesn't matter. Like if, if we're living well, karmically, it would make a lot of sense because, um, your next life is going to 
how good it is is going to depend on how good of a parent you were and your parents if you're if your parents are living your life then uh you know they're getting their just desserts it's like a seems like a natural cycle but does that mean if you don't like where it falls apart is like okay so if i don't have a kid do i just cease to exist no yeah exactly it falls the logic falls apart pretty yeah. quick yeah. And, and also, you know, if you're going to go with the chains of karma, then and you're going to uh, make that a thing, then where does it start? How where, where do those chains start? How many souls are there well, are the real like the true souls or, you know, it's I mean, an inf- karma seems in like Hindu and Buddhism. It's like the wheel of life. Basically, it's it's an infinite loop. Right. Um and you're going to, you're, I mean, it, it's all one. So you're simultaneously, the Godhead is experiencing everything at once. Right. That's my point is that, so in the end, it, it all, it all evens out, you know, like. Yeah, but you're, yeah, exactly. Ultimately, it, your direct experience of, of life and, and, and you know, is going to be dependent on the consequences of, of actions, decisions, things that you, you've decided, things that people before you have decided i mean but you don't think you've before you were born you ever experienced anything like in this line of consciousness you're on you think what do you mean by that you you don't define that um like that's my thing that that, that's where i have a problem is is where does that line of consciousness start and and, it doesn't start or end but you're if you're gonna keep what separates this this my line from your line um, the, I mean, it's clearly separate right now. Right. I mean, in, in this moment, but like, and this whole life. So like, it, so if you, if you, the, if, if you think you only, there's, it's, there's only really two options. Either you only live one life or you're going to keep going through different lives. And that means that your, your direct experience, there's going to be a next one. And there was one before that. I think it's all one substance. It's it's all one. It's yeah, but all there's one. still a karmic we a uh, karmic chain, like a, a, a single. The whole spider web is made of, you know, a bunch of different lines of web. Right. You're on one of the lines right now. Right. So there, it's a it's linear in that sense. It's linear in that sense, but how far do you take that logic? That's the thing. Is if you take that logic too far, then you're then you're no different than the Christians. Well, you're no, it's the Buddhist and Hindus believe all that. Well, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. And that the, that the Buddhists and, and the Hindus who take that too far. Well, you don't want to you don't want to blindly believe in anything like that. But um, right. as a thought exercise, it's really like. Unless there's unless you either have one life or it's reincarnation, it's really can be the only two. In my in my in my perspective, it's 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 all one. It's all one substance. It's all one matter. It's all one soul. It's all one heart. It, it's so that means that means after you die, you just become all of the one forever. You don't have to go back into being a little piece of it again. Uh, you probably do. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Abs- abs- so that's you, what I'm you, saying. You absolutely do. But yeah, exactly. To, but but what you're what you're drawing are connections between the two forms. You get what I'm saying? So like me here now today, and then my son's son's son in the future. Those are two different expressions of God or two different expressions of life, right? So I think those two are as connected and as disconnected as you and I are right now. 
Yeah, but I guess the main thing I'm asking is like, there still has to be a um, continuity of experience, especially if um, I mean, I don't think you just face. I, I think I think it's a just reality, and a, like a, we're in a just sub reality, and there's a you know ultra reality, and they they would be just so like when you're uh, getting spit back out into a meat body or whatever after you, mm -hmm. the next time it's going to you know be affected by what lessons you need to learn this time and what decisions you made in the previous one i don't see i, see, I don't know about that I, so you I, think I, there's I no disagree. i think I there's think, no cosmic think, consequences nothing matters i think when you say that you might as well believe in heaven and hell you're believing in that that your actions that which you do here have eternal consequences. No, not eternal or or no, no, semi-eternal. Semi no, they have no no it, nothing's permanent. But actions have consequences in this life, and probably it's it's just like it's the most fair way to do. So it. how long does it matter? Like here's an example: if this is true, um, all the Hitler after he died probably had to live each individual life of everybody he killed in the Holocaust and all the people he killed in the Holocaust had to live Hitler's life. Why would you force? Now you would want, no, because it's, well, I mean, that's just a simple example, but on a cosmic scale, everyone is, has lived or is living or will live everybody else's life that's ever existed and ever will right. exist. But there's got to be an order in which way you experience it. And that's where the, the, uh, that's where karma would come in, and that's where, like, just... Because it is all one consciousness, but there's an order in which it's being experienced. There's too many different flavors. There's too many different perspectives on what that... And and, and It's more of a thought exercise than anything, yeah, but you, you can't that. get around there being... A, a, if there is reincarnation, it's gonna... It's not... You're ex, in, your, in your direct experience, you're experiencing it in a linear way. You can't... and Because right now, I'm not experiencing two lives at once. How do you know that? Well, I mean, on a, on a higher level, maybe, but on not in this direct level. See, the the way I kind of look at it is that we all have the same substance, right? Soul, life, whatever, consciousness, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that we're all just different, essentially like snowflakes. We're different expressions. I'm, I, I, I'm essentially a box that's expressed in the way of Noah Beamer that holds this section of the Godhead. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think we're basically agreeing with each other. My, 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 where, where I, where I am having a hang up is that actions have consequences past the grave. Is that actions have consequences past the grave in accordance with your family or your blood or your what? Like, or that, just that's, any, that's, that's or where just I anything. have difficulty is that where if you're going to draw a line in the sand, what are you going to draw it around? You know, um, there's no real way to know, but I think it would make, I think we, I don't, I don't think, I, I believe in synchronicities and I think that, uh, this isn't just a bunch of randomness. I think there is a plan and Ooh. everything is going oh, perfectly. Oh, so you think there's a plan? Well, not necessarily a plan, but everything's yeah. going perfectly. Oh, okay. And, I mean, I think everything's and I think, going perfectly, but I don't, I don't and, know. And about I don't a, think, I, I think, um, good heart like you know nobody's all good or all bad necessarily but i think you're you know good intentions um would probably help uh yeah 
good intentions and learning good lessons would probably help um, pass the grave and doing a lot of evil stuff and doing really, really evil things will probably negatively affect you past the grave, not in an internal way, but in a way that's going to, you know, move your, move your uh, needle one, one direction or the other on your next uh, right. incarnation. So, so you can look at it mystically like this, or you can look at it mathematically. I mean, but it, either it's, way, mathematically is it's still the same result, right? It's, it's the same result, but the the mysticality I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of because I've it, it harkens to faith. It harkens to like this. It seems like it harkens to justice and fairness. See, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, just di- different perspectives on it. I mean, you say justice and fairness, but there's so many perspectives there's so many different ways we could take this what's uh wouldn't it be not just and not fair if like there were no rewards for good and consequences for bad the thing is is how real are these consequences how well, real when you how real it, are when you break how, it down far enough they're do, really not what do you think is the most important distinction chris is it right and wrong is right and wrong the most important distinction out of all the distinctions? Give that me are, another distinction to compare it to. Uh, let's see, order or chaos. Um, see, order and yeah, order and chaos are both neutral on their on the face of it, um, and you need both of them. Uh, just you need yeah, like if you break it down far enough, you need good and bad. Um, but that doesn't mean that you should just get be able to get away with anything horrible you do. Or right. just have no rewards for anything good you do. Or, right. see, or, but keep or, it in perspective. That, yeah. that, that's what I'm saying. Is is, is the, the, my my problem is that I, I I err on the side of being careful with rules with um with with these lines that we're drawing when it comes to consequences and and, and what extends past into the grave and what doesn't. And, and well, there's no way to really know at least exactly. for us. But that doesn't mean. I think it's not even if you don't want to, um, it's mainly a thought exercise, but like even from a selfish perspective, it's probably best to err on the side of caution and not be like, you know, a horrible murdering piece of shit. Well, if all that's keeping you from being a horrible piece of shit is a promise (laughs) of eternal life or some sort of like (laughs) blessing or consequences past the grave, then I'd say you got a bigger problem. Well, that's like, okay. What? That, not quite what I said, but um. Well, well, then, then help me understand. I said even from a selfish perspective, that would make sense to do it like that. But just from a, the perspective I'm looking at it is like, it's like maybe that's just how I have to rationalize it. Order and chaos, both necessary. Good and evil, both necessary. But um, I think you're giving something up by choosing, like you know, the dark side easier, quicker. What do you got to say? Oh, yeah. More more tempting. Uh, anger leads to ha- uh, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate leads to stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, but also the, the dark side, easier, more seductive. Right. Fast, Easier, faster, more seductive. Right. Um, <laughs> so, like, you know, the evil is necessary, but I don't, I don't see any way to rationalize if there is, you know, I mean, you could say, yeah, there's no, nothing matters, and once you die, you die, and it's all black, but I don't think either of us believe that. No. So, um. I can't rationalize any, and I don't believe in a permanent anything, permanent afterlife, but I can't rationalize any um, 
way that the cosmos would make sense if you don't um, get affected by your actions and your choices. I get that, but I think that they, I don't think that it, they extend into eternity. No, but I, I never said that. I just said into the next life. And it's a, if it's all one, it's a right, wheel. Right. But you, there's got to be a, um, I just, I, it just seems like it's the only way that it makes sense in my brain, at least for that. To I get that. I get that. I mean, I get, I get what you're saying. I feel like we're splitting hairs here. Yeah. But, we basically agree. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's my, my thing is that I don't think that one of these sides can win. I think both sides need each other that, that. The, the biggest hang up people have with good and evil is that good is supposed to defeat evil or that evil might win if good doesn't win. Like, and, and when people, and you don't think that's a big deal, like that distinction there, but when that's the way you look at these two forces in life and then you live your life according to that, it can influence so many different things. Um, you know, and it can be incredibly damaging, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need to have both perspectives. You can't, one or the other is just going to be end up going bad. You need to understand, like, that good, yeah, good and evil are always going to be there. But you can't, like, just be like, well, I mean, I, f I feel like we've talked about this in the Gnosticism one, too, a lot. So. We did, we did. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really just basically the same thing, just explained in different ways. I don't, there's not a huge distinction, I don't think. Um, move. I got a uh, one of my favorite Terrence McKenna things. I clipped a couple nice. from there. It's his conversation with Ram Dass. You seen that one? I think I have. That's a classic. And uh, there's this restaurant. It's actually worth watching the whole thing. Um, I think you just look up uh, Terrence McKenna Ram Dass on YouTube. It'll show up. You don't think there's any... It would, it would needs the external form of the mushroom. It would never have happened for me. I only argue from my own experience. Yeah, but you and I were both so thick in crap when it had, you know, that's why we needed it. Well, but there are a few others out there. We didn't corner the market on yeah. being thick in crap. Yeah, but I'm talking about somebody like a Ramana Maharshi or somebody like that. Oh, well, these you people. Know? I mean, there are people. Sure, who, but the idea is not to come up with something that the best among us can make hay with, but a, a democratic, uh, something which addresses the species. The thing that seemed to me so important about the psychedelic experience was that it happened to me. I wasn't reading John Chrysostom or Meister Eckhart. Exactly. Of course those guys. Right on, it happened to me. Happened to me, yes. So it's Ram Dass and Terrence McKenna. Basically, did, I should have set that clip up better. They were talking about, you know, can we can we rely on something that's uh, not a drug to uh, basically wake up the species? Which is the opposite way of that. That question is normally approached. You know, it's. Usually, how can a drug do what, you know, many people spend all of their lives trying to accomplish through meditation and sitting in all these various different ascetic practices? Right. Sound kind of like Terrence's school and Ram Dass a little bit there. <laughs> well, yeah, because Ram Dass is saying, like, 
Well, Ramdas says like you know what got him on the journey, right? Was the the mushroom? Um, <clears throat> it was uh, Timothy Leary introducing him to psilocybin, but it's it really comes back to what Alan Watts said when you've got the message, hang up the phone. And I've, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, psychedelics aren't the end all be all by any means. Like um, it seems like uh, I think Ramdas wins out in this one over McKenna overall, but uh, I'll keep playing a little bit. Yeah, I'd say, I think they're just kind of, they're taking two different approaches. They, they they both believe the same thing. It seems like it's just one airs on one side and one airs on the other, you know, um, when it comes to caution with psychedelics. Well, uh, I, it's not even necessarily caution, but it's like you, it's a uh, psychedelic seem like something you outgrow at least. Um, right. Well, it, not necessarily forever, but you outgrow, uh, relying on them. They're tools. You yeah. Know? It's, yeah. It, yeah. Um, can be uh, used or abused. Uh, go beyond the isms to find out. Tell me what we're really finding. We're finding a world made out of mind rather than stuff. Right. Okay. We're finding a world made out of mind. Every time you describe which mind you find, that's just limiting a limiting condition. I mean, if we just find the, the thing of mind-created stuff, live in that, then what happens? Well, I mean, there is a transcendental dimension beyond language. It's just hard as hell to talk about it. <laughs> but if you live in it and talk from there, then the forms that it will manifest in become just the forms it manifests in. It's nothing more or less than that. So so you mean you download the unspeakable down, into language yeah. and let the or, chips fall where they may? Well, they don't fall where they may. They fall in a perfectly harmonious pattern. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> um, that's the fundamental difference between McKenna and... Um, like an Alan Watts or a Ram Dass is, and then this is just my personal opinion on it, but it seems like Alan Watts and Ram Dass are like um, consciousnessly evolved enough and have, you know, done the work to where they're already in that state and confl- in that flow state and that psychedelic flow state without the psychedelic, which McKenna was too in a lot of ways, but, um, uh, well, well, you'll see what I mean uh, in the next couple clips. But. Emmanuel's two lines to me were, death is absolutely safe, first thing. That's a very profound statement. And the next thing he said, it was like taking out the tight shoe. And then I said to him, Emmanuel, what am I doing here? Who made this error? What am I doing on this plane? He said, you're in school. Why don't you try taking the curriculum? And the curriculum is? Life. You're in school. Why don't you, I love that Ramdas line. You're in school. Why don't you try taking the curriculum? And like I love the the whole book. Be here now. But yeah, it's like um, the further you get down into the um, <clears throat> the journey or the mental gymnastics of the whole uh, religious philosophy in general, and lo- trying to learn what life's all about. Like the ending seems to be like it's about what's going on right now, and you just need to like mm-hmm. learn from it enjoy it accept it and uh learn from it basically is the main thing yeah 
You're here to learn. Your speech on this particular topic is just redundant. You know, it's like it's it's what you're talking about, which you're trying to contain the picture that you're trying to paint. You're in that picture. Right. You know? Right. Um, and so it, it, it kind of becomes, I, I love the dance that they're doing. I love that discussion between Ron yeah. Doss and Terrence McKenna. It's really beautiful. It's, whole, it's like these, just these two different minds. They're just two different ways of looking at things. And, and they're trying to reconcile with one another. The whole thing is like a playful chess match I between the two of them. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. It's worth, worth checking out the whole video. Definitely, I'll have to I'll have to look that one up because I don't I don't think I've actually listened to that one in, entirely, or if I have, it's been years. It's funny because the waiter like knows who uh, Terrence McKenna is, and he they're in uh, I don't even remember what country they're in, but it's really funny. Hmm. The waiter keeps coming up, or the first time he comes up, he's like, "You," it's like, "You're Mister Mushroom McKenna," <laughs> and and like the waiter's actually funny too. He's like, "Okay, see you, waiter." Like, what's your name? He's like, waiter. He's like, I'll see you, waiter. It's really weird. It's a whole, the whole thing is kind of trippy. trippy. Yeah. Yeah. I I love what Ram Dass is saying there going back a little bit, like what he's talking about when it comes to to life and, and, and missing the picture and and living in the moment. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately too, Uh, living your life in a way that acknowledges what this is, you know, and to not be a zombie or an NPC, somebody just walking through, you know, reacting. Don't be a distracting, Don't be a normie. Yeah. Yeah, no, and uh, I like, I mean, his, the line of death is like taking off an old shoe. It's completely safe and it's a relief. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, so my question to you is, are psychedelics a miracle? Psychedelics are a miracle, yes. They may not be the only miracle. Are they the miracle we need? I don't know that. I don't know that. I think they may have already done what they were to do. Really? That's interesting. I've never heard anything. I think what is done is so much more powerful than anybody yet recognizes. See, I see that all this destruction is just the process of transformation. The question is whether we keep it together in the process of transformation. And that's why all I'm interested in doing is becoming a person and helping others become a person who in the process of the dramatic stuff will keep some equanimity and keep there's some love and some presence in that process. But that's psychedelics may play a role in that. Mm-hmm. So you're right, that comes back to your question. Well, see my assumption in trying to think about thousands of psychedelic trips rather than just mine, what they seem to do generically is they seem to dissolve boundaries. Yes. And the ego is in the business of creating, maintaining, and defending boundaries. So I really see the psychedelics as directly intervening in the core process which is running us over the edge, which is our inability to emotionally connect with the consequences of what we're doing. Exactly. Wow. I love this whole conversation, but yeah, um, yeah. And just sidebar, real quick, though. Yeah, it, how interesting is it to just listen to their conversation, observe these two individuals, how they both make a living, and that like, can we take a moment to appreciate the privilege that they both have? to make a living just talking about abstract concepts that (laughs) really have 
very little, very little is concrete. You know what I'm saying? Like they're yeah. On one level, you're right, but on the other level, I mean, Ramdas, Harvard professor, spent a lot of time and energy getting all that. Oh, done. absolutely. No, uh, I McKen- don't. I don't want to make it McKen- sound like, like I am a botanist I'm, at Berkeley and multiple. Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like I'm downplaying what they do. Yeah. Now they what worked I'm hard for is, what they got. Like, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but it, it is what it is, and, and, right. and the. There's a certain value in recognizing that what we're doing right now is philosophizing. That's that's what we're it philosophizing is. We're philosophizing about philosophizing. Yeah, about yeah. philosophizing about a philosophy. Yeah, we're <laughs> philosophizing about something else, and it's it's abstraction, and it's and it's it's beautiful, and we need it to to have clarity in life, and 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 to really come to deep realizations and deep appreciations and deep understandings, and change the way we live our lives, but. It's still abstraction. Like, yeah, and say what you want about McKenna, but he was a um, just absolute defender of freedom of speech, which is one of the best abs- aspects absolutely. of Absolutely. I, I mean, really, I see him which as, is a a rare cha- as really just a champion of freedom in general. You know, he, he talks about dissolving boundaries, even intellectually, and it's between concepts, ideas. You know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah and, definitely and, and a Hicks, champion of Hicks freedom. Was, uh, Hicks was uh, definitely influenced by him in that interview Bill Hicks was doing. He's like, the reporter's like, why do you need to, why do you, or that, uh, somebody, it is, he, he was talking, he's like, people at his shows always, it's like, hey, buddy, I didn't come here to think. He's like, well, where do you go, <laughs> where do you go to think? I'll meet you there. And this uh, interviewer is asking him, like, don't you feel like you cross the line a lot? And he's like, why do we need lines? Get rid of the lines. We don't need lines. It's like, yes. Right. Definitely which Terrence is, McKenna which, in, influence. That kind of ties into a little bit of what Ramdas was talking about there, uh, Richard Appler uh, with Terrence McKenna there, saying that, you know, psychedelics, maybe they have done their work. I mean, he had a point. I don't think that it was necessarily 100% correct, but they have been doing their work. They had been doing their work. They had been influencing guys like Bill Hicks, you know, who then influenced thousands of people in turn. You know, it's just that that web, that network is is really interesting once you observe all the different moving pieces. Yeah, and it's it's almost like, um, yeah, I like nobody needs to take psychedelics. There's people that are way trippier. That I mean, there's people that are the trippiest people I know. Probably the two of them like have never even like you know smoked weed. So, right. Um, so it's some people just already have have that and don't need it, and then. Most people, you know, it's just being exposed to the the right idea at the right time. They don't need right, to, right. They, they don't need. Yeah, the 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 word need the the which is kind of what uh, Ram Dass and Terrence McKenna are debating about there a little bit is is it seems to me a little bit of much ado about nothing. I, I I don't I don't think it matters whether or not people need a psychedelic substance. I don't think anyone should say what's right for everyone. Well, no, ever. I, the, yeah, well, but, right, right. Well, I mean, that's kind of what they're talking about, though, right? They, they're um, maybe I should have given better context because uh, they they're kind of talking about like just how to solve like you know this this situation of the world and the human species and politics and you well, know the psychedelic experience comes into play and they do talk about whether or not it's necessary they, right. they or how necessary it is and I, I kind of more take um, I used to probably be more on Terrence McKenna's side, but these days I've I would put myself in the Ramdas category on that one where it's like, um, it's, it might be the quickest way 
to really bring about a change, but it's probably not the best way. I think I, I'd go somewhere in the middle because I, I don't know about saying that it's not the best way because I think it's incredibly <laughs> powerful. And when I think about the, the, without getting too specific here, when I think about the effects that they've, they've ha had in my life, you know, um, and when I think about the stories that I've heard, right, if you take, if you, if you take all that away, um, I don't think you have a lot of growth left behind. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I yeah, I think, I think well, that part Ram, of the picture, with Ramdas, I, it was, know. um, <clears throat> I mean, that dude spent, Ramdas spent a good part of a decade, you know, doing right. acid and mushrooms course. and probably more than a decade. And he came out on the other side saying, you know, like I got all I needed out of that. And now I just, what, which is something a lot of us, myself included, uh, excuse me. So it's something a lot of us, myself included, have uh, not been able to really pull off like people like Ramdas did, where it's like he, he didn't just talk the talk. Uh, no, he like walked the walk too. And mm -hmm. once you are walking the walk, you don't need psychedelics. Yeah, I, I I would just say that I, it's difficult to give prescription for every person. And I, I don't know yeah. that I can go even that far and say that, you know, once you're walking the walk, you don't need them. I mean, may, maybe, maybe. Well, neither of us are walking right. the walk on that right. level. Well, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but who's to say? Who's to say, you know? Well, uh, right. if, when you when you compare, like, um, Ter like Terrence McKenna and Timothy Leary were in the category of like, you know, just keep taking them. But Ramdas and Alan yeah, Watts no. were more in the category of once you got the message, hang up the phone. Yeah, I, I would probably say I'm somewhere in between. It, it's it's it, trust yourself. You know, it, everybody's different. Listen, yeah, you know, listen. Uh, you'll know. Like you will let you know. You know. So do you never get in a situation where you say, "Gee, I'd like to do X, but Ramdas would never do that." My uh, stock and trade, or my coinage, is in sharing just those predicaments publicly. See, I've turned it into, right? You've managed to, but public confession is the subtlest form of wastelry. Of wastelry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do it myself. <laughs> Say, I'm not a good guy. Don't follow me. I'm a bad guy. Then I leave the stage and say, now I can really be a bad guy. <laughs> Come up and see my holy pictures. <laughs> That's the one of my lines in my lecture. <laughs> I don't, I'll tell you, you're all, I only see the, uh, the stuff that would disturb me is inside myself. It has nothing to do with out there. I out there is just being what it is, and I'm responding with my own stuff. Well, you've sort of achieved a unique synthesis. I mean, you're almost a secular holy man because I don't think people, I don't care much about what you believe or who you light candles to. Basically, I think I heard you describe yourself once as a kind man. And you've gotten incredible mileage out of that because there are so few. It's far out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is... Well, when you talked about coming back into the boundarylessness, to me, that's the whole quality of compassion, has that boundarylessness to it. Yeah. Um, so this is where, I mean, throughout the whole interview, you you know, you see two great minds interacting, but this, is, um, this next clip's probably my favorite because it really just... Um, it's a boil down of the fundamental difference between 
Richard, well, Ra now Ram Dass and uh, Terrence McKenna. I think I'm at a little lower level because I'm very aware that um, I have to struggle to have my to say my life is my message. I would almost rather say my message is my message. Please don't look at my life because I'm a fallible human being and I'm constantly but fucking up. But you see up. how that weakens your message. You see how that quality has means that the message doesn't come from the the root, the central. It, you're, it, there's a way in which it waffles. True. Because, and that's the thing. I, I really can't. Once I saw the possibility of that, I said, why waffle? What is worth holding on to that's worth waffling about? Well, I once said to Leo Zeff, I'm sure you knew Leo, I said to him in a, in a meeting, uh, I said, Leo, you're, you're finished, you're completed, you're, you're baked. Me, I'm half-baked. <laughs> and I hope that the rest of my life will finish the baking but you don't, process. you're not half-baked. That's what's interesting. I mean, when you and I talk, you and I hear each other perfectly. Truth. And so where are we hearing each other from? I mean, then we each play our game the way we play our game, you know, and you can play your game saying I'm half-baked. That's your strategy if you choose it. It's a mercurial <laughs> strategy. Yes, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Um, I love that one. I, I love that whole interview. You can really hear the, um, the, the holy moment, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, like, it's beautiful. Uh, but I mean, even McKenna acknowledges it. He's he's like it right at the beginning there. He's like, I think I'm on a lower level than you, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, because I just rather say my message is my message, and don't look at my life. My life is not my message. And then Ramdas, you know, when he says, "Well, you see how that hurts your message," and he's like, "Yeah, mm -hmm. why waffle?" There's a moment of humility there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I think people like Ramdas are necessary for the rest of us. We have to know it can be done. Right. And like, I mean, he admits he's a fallible person like anybody else, but like he, I mean, he really, and it, it really, like the, he had the advantage of really just, you know, basically getting everything he'd ever wanted in life, be on top of the world, you know, have the money, the Harvard mm -hmm. professor, like all the degrees and prestige, prestige. And, uh, once you have spent so much time on that and realize it's not fulfilling, which none, neither of us will ever get to that point, but um, like once you, once you uh, have experienced all that, you do have an advantage of saying like I like now I've experienced it and I know what I want to do. Which in Ram's Dust cases was you know just help people. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's pretty much all he did besides talking to people. He besides giving talks, like he was. I mean, he spent the whole rest of his life after all that just doing charity work and just and, being and, and and the thing that's different about him versus because because he's not the only holy man i mean like I, I i grew up in a in a world where men like that were revered and and almost worshipped um i mean like in the, christianity yeah i mean when it comes to people who give people who act people who do act you know that was that was something my my parents always um <clears throat> thankful to them for uh instilling in me was that was understanding and appreciating those selflessness yeah selflessness those who actually do give those who those who walk 
walk the talk, you know? Yeah, uh, not there's, just a, there's many people who just speak and and and, the and thing, that's the difference between I think McKenna and right. uh, and Ramdas really. Ramdas, it's not just about what he said; it's the way he said it. It's the way he did everything that he did. It's not even really about all of the accomplishments and all of this the 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 self sacrificial uh, acts that he he undertook. It was it's about the message and 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 that he lived that message as he did those things you know yeah versus terrence uh who would i mean terrence has terrence is on some levels uh more impressive of a speaker oh yes Um, i i i'd I'd honestly say i'd definitely give him that you know yeah they, they both have their own thing going um for sure but uh and you know, and not to not to take away from Terrence, because I mean, he definitely did the work. I mean, he did a lot of work in a lot of other ways. I mean, I know Richard Alpert did do. Well, he did take many psychedelics, so he did he did uh, really fully experience that side of things. But I was going to say that Terrence McKenna had uh, gone through probably a bit more work on that side when it comes to psychedelics. On than, that, yeah. Pro- oh, I'm sure, but um, yeah. I mean, I. I could talk about Ram. I've, there's a lot of Ram Dass of his whole story where he was explaining, you know, like we realize, like with psychedelics, you get, you can't stay high. You you go up there for a little bit and then you have to come back down every time. And so, like, mm-hmm. and that's the message that uh, Ram Dass and Alan Watts have is like, you really can't stay high until like you're the person, you become the person the psychedelic is telling you to become. Right. I mean, that is something that a lot of people said about Ram Dass, who, who saw him later in his life, was that he people who had tripped uh, would say about him and say that he basically seemed like he was constantly tripping like that kind of a thing. Like that, yeah, that's, you, you that's hear the that about, aura he had. Yeah, like, you hear that about any anybody like, uh, you know. Everybody from Jesus to Gandhi to mm-hmm. Maharaji, I mean, they all had the. Um, just a glow and energy about him and just um the it's, it's love the basic it's compassion yeah. and you know? just saying what you were going to say before like just basically without you saying anything saying what you're already saying in your head uh-huh. and just you know telepathy almost yeah um now we can do, now we can get into the wackier stuff all right a little okay. wacky wacky stuff i'm ready if all you've got is awake and asleep you can't go far with that. But if you've got awake, asleep, and DMT as points, you can build a much more dimensionally rich model of consciousness. I think that it, it's, it has to do with your own intelligence. Uh, truly stupid people aren't interested in psychedelics because they can't figure out what the point of it is. Uh, it feeds off intelligence. It's a consciousness-expanding drug. If you don't have any consciousness, it can't expand it. And I've met people who say, yeah, well, all this stuff and big bugs talk to you and say strange stuff. You say, yeah, well, you should have paid a little attention. Uh, I mean, it's amazing to me how people don't seem to, like, the, the, the less intelligent you are, the less challenging the psychedelic experience becomes because the less capable of entertaining the implications you are. 
because you just say, well, yeah, a lot of bright lights and there's some talking bugs and spaceships and I don't know, uh, you know. Well, you know, it's because they, I guess it's because those people are so ingrained in cultural values that they assume it's not real. They just, they assume it's a trip, whatever that means. It means you have permission not to take this experience seriously. <laughs> He's hitting on something the, there. The talking bugs thing got me because it's like exactly what Alex Jones was it's like, you do DMT and then you see a 500 foot tall praying mantis sucking out your soul out of your brain. It's like the talking bugs thing got me. Yeah, I've never seen a talking bug. But You break in to this space and are immediately swarmed by squeaking, self-transforming elf machines. These things which are made of light and grammar and sound that come chirping and squealing and tumbling toward you and they say hooray welcome you're here and my uh my immediate we're glad you're here come and stay a while <laughs> you can make shapes and objects with your sounds transmissions from a smile impression no matter how many times i do this and i've done it maybe 30 or 40 times which isn't a lot in a lifetime of worshiping it my immediate impression is that they are welcoming there is something going on which i've over the years come to call love <laughs> yeah hmm. um i mean he had a point there when it comes to low intelligence yeah and, and and what we take is ridiculous and what we don't like you know at, at, you're born you trust everything you see as real right as as you know all having the same weight until you are instilled with a system of values and beliefs and then that system from that point on whatever age that is dictates what is legitimate or reasonable to you um, yeah, and later in that clip, he breaks down how quantum mechanics and quantum physics show us that hallucin hallucinations are just as real. Mm -hmm. They're their own. They're just as avowed reality, which really um, begs the question about, like, you know, are schizophrenics just seeing real things that are around us um, mm -hmm. and misinterpreting signals sometimes? Like, it's... Um, are they locked into some sort of wavelength that we aren't able to perceive with our normal functioning sober state. Right. Yeah. I mean, scientists, um, psychologists after the whole, uh, CIA introduced it before it was outlawed under Nixon. I think it was psychologists were using LSD to mimic schizophrenia so that they could empathize with their, uh, schizophrenic patients. Oh, really? I don't take DMT. It's fine that you do. I'm a libertarian. Because if you're a good person and you take the DMT and go to the fifth dimension, sixth dimension, if you believe in that stuff, they act real friendly. But Mescalito gets mean later. He's a goat, by the way. It's Baphomet. It's who you meet. It happens to basically everybody. Unless you're a really good guy. And then you get transported to a space prison for a couple hundred thousand years. <laughs> He's literally like, this is when he was really going after Joe. Yeah. Um, and he's got a, yeah, it's. Uh, I'd good. love to see his sources on some of this stuff. <laughs> oh, well, um, even people the, that are pro psychedelic admit that stuff happened to him, like Graham Hancock. 
100,000 year space prison? Yeah. And then when mm. you come back, you don't ever come back. <laughs> I knew about this when I was a kid from people that I knew that were involved in CIA trials at Berkeley. Oh, I wonder, you know where Ter Terrence McKenna went to school? Hmm. Berkeley. Oh, tell me about DMT, Joe. Tell me all about, you know, how you popularized it in the last 15 years. The Clockwork Elves, Joe. I heard about the Clockwork Elves when I was a little kid. <laughs> and I decided I don't want to see them. Because everybody sees them. Little goat creatures with little green hats and little green uniforms. It looked just like gray aliens. Then they pull their mask off and they don't look quite like that anymore. They wear little gray masks so they don't get too scary. Because they look like little gremlins, little demons. <laughs> you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think Alex Jones might be in that uh, that uh, lower IQ uh, group of people that Terrence McKenna was talking about a little while ago. Man, say what you want about Alex, but his <laughs> mental dictionary and the way he can remember things is way more impressive than either of us, for sure. Okay, okay. That doesn't mean, you know. I guess that's not the only measurement of IQ. What I'm saying here. It's not the only measurement of IQ necessarily, right. but... Um, we'll come back. We'll come Magic back to that. Magic is a deeper perception than science, because science believes that the world is truly there. Mm -hmm. It is naive in its empiricism. Magic knows that the world is made of language, that the world is a construct of the f of forceful imagination, and. Uh, you know, the people who don't know this are walking around inside the realities created by the people who do. The Madison Avenue understands this. Government propaganda agencies fully understand this. And to the degree that you empower yourself, you will become more and more a dweller in linguistic constructs of your own making. This is what I meant. This is a good closure. This is what I meant by do not watch, do not consume. In other words, do not lease other people's linguistic structures and live in them. Build your own. Okay. I like so that. that's it's good, but it's ironic because he's it's exactly yeah. Well, it's what he's doing is he's example exemplifying what he's telling you to do. He said like don't telling you to do it. Don't listen to other people's linguistic structures mm -hmm. while he's telling you his own. Exactly, <laughs> it's just hilarious. Yeah, virtual worlds build your own values and your own house of mirrors. And and uh, and then you know you are on equal footing. One of my favorite Terrence because that was talking about science versus magic in the beginning there. <clears throat> One of my favorite quotes by him is, "It's like science can explain everything, but first they say just give us one miracle mm -hmm. that nothing exploded out of the head of a pin, <laughs> yep. and all this was made." <laughs> it's like science just demands one miracle, and we'll build the scaffolding from there. That was part of my uh, apologetics back when I was a uh, evangelist. That was one of my uh, uh, things I would use to combat uh, people who believed in evolution and the Big Bang. Was that uh, that line right there? Actually, exactly, almost is that you, you believe in one miracle, you know? Yeah, you, <laughs> you know, and then and then you can explain everything. Yeah, yeah. Science is its own religion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean everything. No, nobody knows. Uh, they're all lying to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it, 
I, there's more um, like Christian. There's like you know Christianity and Islam have their you know their huge portions of people who were dogmatic and and uh, refused to think outside of that box. But atheism is the exact same way. Oh yeah, of course. I think this one has some music behind it again, so hopefully won't be too bad. But one rainy evening in Berkeley, this friend of mine, who I'm still extremely tight with, and this guy always was first in everything, and you know he made it his business to burn through and abandon things before you'd ever heard of them, and he arrived at my house this rainy February night. And he said, I have something I want you to try. And I said, what is it? And he said, it's a new psychedelic. And I said, how long does it last? And he said, three minutes. And I said, no problem, you know, we're acid heads. We, we can handle three minutes of anything. And sat down and smoked my first uh, DMT. And... Uh, you know, it's never been the same since. I mean, it worked a hundred percent. Yes, this was the famous 55-gallon drum that was boosted off a uh, army uh, conveyance vehicle. Okay, so <clears throat> something to say about this. He, he sets up the story by saying. My friend, who I'm still very close with, who always, you know, had access to all these things and was done with them before anybody had ever heard of them. And then his friend that he's still super close with got a 55-gallon drum from a military vehicle. Mm -hmm. Sounds like Terrence McKenna has some military intelligence connections if he's still real close to this guy. Hmm. This 55-gallon drum that was boosted off a uh, army uh, conveyance vehicle when it was moved from SRI to uh, some proving ground in the southwest. The U.S. Army was trying to develop an aerosol artillery shell that would land in a Vietnamese village, drive everyone nuts, and you could send your people in and take over in all this gaseous, hallucinogenic confusion. And DMT and even then more debilitating psychedelics were being looked at in the service of this. And it's a famous story in the underground that there was this one 55-gallon drum of pure crystalline material that somebody just made sure fell into a ditch in Menlo Park somewhere and somebody else came along five minutes later and picked it up and rumor persists that that 55 gallon drum is not empty yet uh, that music they had in the background was so unfitting for that whole thing it made no sense to have that in there it's like i get that it's you it was like didn't fit the mood at all weird um here's mckenna on how to control journalists and man manipulate the media basically i've learned the way you control journalists is you give interviews 
you give long interviews, deep interviews, and keep them and never let them write about you. You know, because when they start writing about you, it's ridiculous. So give interviews, and you can really control your spin that way. Actually liked that. I mean, that's just a conversation tactic. Yeah. It's just, uh, you know, always distract. Um, now here's where it starts getting a little weirder. Um, here's, here's McKenna basically shutting down someone in, in his audience who was providing real stuff that was going on where the feds were shutting down health food, um, stores and naturopathic doctors and, you know, she didn't bring this part up, but they were also, and they still sometimes do arrest farmers for uh, giving raw milk to their neighbors, stuff like that. Hmm. And faster and faster. I think that's why the FDA right now is trying to do away with it, because it is growing. If you knew the legislation that is going on right now, they are raiding health food stores with guns and taking things out of there, that like aloe vera products. And they're saying they've never been tested. We haven't approved it. And they're taking I guarantee you this is happening right now. And that's why you have to be aware. And you have to educate people about it. But you see, at the same point, at the same time, they're granting the first INDs for psychedelic research in 30 years. So I pre instead of taking a paranoid view, I, you know, that they are against it they. and us, I, I just think that if you dissect these human institutions, Okay, so keep that in mind how he said they when he's talking about, like, the government. Mm -hmm. Research in 30 years. So I pre instead of taking a paranoid view, I, you know, that they are against it and us, I, I just think that if you dissect these human institutions, what you find always are individuals. And uh, Usually these institutions are fraught with internal conflicts mm -hmm. about what they're doing. There's a lot of fear, there's a lot of mistrust, and very few people go around rubbing their hands together and cackling over the fact that they are committing acts of pure evil. <laughs> Most people have some kind of in internal story that tells them that they are doing the very best they can. It's just that there are also a lot of jug-headed misconceptions about what the best we can actually means. Okay, well, first off, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that clip right there? I don't even disagree with him, but it seems like he's real quick to shut down any anything that the government might be doing that's nefarious. He's like, well, I don't think there's people rubbing their hands together doing anything. They know it's evil. And this, uh, it actually seems like he's showing that he knows a lot more about what's going on internally within the government than than he's letting on. I mean, when that comment that said there are multiple, basically that within the government, they don't even know exactly what they're going to do because there are multiple people who are have different plans, different ideas, different right. sides warring, essentially. Um, I mean, I think he's spot on. He's right. He's right in a sense. Um, but he's real. And this is not the only example I could have pulled a lot more where he's real quick to dismiss the idea of conspiracy or uh, elite doing nefarious things and manipulating. He's very quick to dismiss that. And it always yeah. is. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, it, it seems to me like he's almost like swatting it aside. Like, I just like don't waste your energy. Almost. Well, yeah, and maybe that's just a defense mechanism because he's already talking about you know stuff that could get him in trouble. He didn't want right, to go down the right. Um, start defending aloe vera products as well. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the, now here, um, remember how he said they when he said like, I don't think they are that nefarious. And he was referring to the government in that glass clip. Now listen to this one and pay attention to his use of they. I'm real curious about one thing. Why is it important for you to do this? I wonder myself. Um, (laughs) You mean, am I the uh, alien ambassador, whether I like it or not? (laughs) Well, often when asked this question, I've said, you know, it beats honest work. I mean, my brother is a PhD in three subjects and uh, works in hard science, and uh, uh, I don't think it's brought him immense happiness, not that he's despondent, but uh, I was always kind of a slider, uh, you know? And uh, certainly when I reached La Chirera in 1971, I had a price on my head by the FBI. I was running out of money. I was at the end of my rope. And then uh, they recruited me (laughs) and said, you know, with a mouth like yours, there's a place for you in our organization. And, um, you know, I've worked in deep background positions about which the the less said, the better. And then, you know, about 15 years ago, they shifted me into public relations. And I've been there uh, to the present. Thoughts. Wow. So it seems like he's snidely talking. I'm kind of pissed at him right now. Uh, He's using his ambiguous way of speaking to talk about it reveals some information but you don't know what you can trust because he's saying everything in a way that could imply that he's talking about the aliens or whatever Mm -hmm. you know i mean quote unquote well yeah we'll get Um, well i'll play the clip in a minute but dennis mckenna's defense is like no he was saying they the mushrooms recruited me no Clearly not. Um, but clearly he's yeah, talking he's, he about. He says I was people. on the run. I was on the run from the FBI. From the FBI. And that, then he says, the and then they point. recruited me. Yeah, I'd like to see Dennis Dennis uh, pressed on that. Um, it's gonna. It's a long clip, but I'll play it here in a minute. That excuse does not fly. But yeah, it wasn't. Isn't that kind of bizarre? That whole statement he just made, especially with the clip before it, where he says they with the same. He's cadence. clearly talking about somebody within the government. Yeah, the feds. Um, and. It's uh, it would if the MK Ultra project didn't dis- get discontinued, it would make sense that uh, you know Timothy Leary, Terrence McKenna would be the guys to do it. Um, I just don't see what purpose they're they're serving. Like like what what is the government accomplishing? Well, um, <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit. And I like I don't even I'm not even convinced that McKenna was a Fed or working for the Feds. Because I see the argument, I'm 50-50 on it. Right. I, I see the right. argument that it's like, okay, plausible, give him some credit. He might have been talking about the mushrooms. They, But yeah, we talked about this on the Gnosticism one. That's kind of why we did this episode. It's like, because I brought this clip up to you. And um, I said, well, maybe he was talking about the clockwork elves recruited him. And you said, well, that's m- not much better. 
Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, the, the main thing that really took it, um, that really can like makes me wonder is that Dennis might just be covering Terrence's ass is that clip right before where he says they, they with the exact same cadence. And he clearly is talking about, you know, the government. And he says the exact same way in this one where he says they recruited me. So I think you're right. I think Terrence gave away part of the show. Yeah. It, um, and then if you, um, well, let's, we'll get to a little bit more of that in a minute, but here's, um, just to play devil's advocate, here's Terrence McKenna, um, denying that. But I think, you know, that, that the CIA and the KGB, surely these things were studied. I mean, we don't know what happened to all that psychedelic research. We know that MKUltra lasted up until about 1970, and nobody ever asks the question, what happened after what we know about. Mm -hmm. The story they put out was that, oh, it just didn't work out and it seemed sort of silly and it was all over the place. And, but knowing what we know about it, how is this possible? Have they reproached you? N not so far as I could tell. Mm -hmm. So that guy asked if the CIA had ever approached him. Terrence says, not as, he could, not as far as Something he could tell. just occurred to me. Do you think he's fucking with them? Like trolling? He's literally trolling them like he's working for them and he is now getting people asking. He's showing them his power. You I mean, he's I trying can, to you, you mean he's not working for the CIA, but he's trying to make it sound no, like he no, might. no, he is. He is working for the CIA and it's a relationship. It's a give and a take. And what he's doing there, what, like Barry is, Seal, like a yeah, Barry he, Seal. Well, he's showing them that he's not afraid to hey to light a fire underneath their ass. He's the one who's raising the question about MK Ultra. He just brought up MK Ultra. Well, I, he was... just made the point that it ended in 1970. He's talked before about how he's he got to La Charrera in 1971 on the run from the FBI. What I'm saying is he could be playing and he could be like raising questions about something that's legitimate that he is involved in in a way that gets people asking questions, but no action is ever taken. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. My, if he really, I don't know because he, um, my main issue, my main, uh, problem with that theory is if he was really, you know, trying to, um, mess with the CIA, like why does he, you know, brush aside anytime anybody in his audience suggests the slightest government conspiracy? He's not. He's not. He just brought up MK Ultra. He's he's, well, they have he's declassified, but he's still, he didn't bring he's still it up either. The person, flames, the person asks him about it before that. I didn't have that in the clip, but he's oh. asked about it also. Well, he didn't bring it up. But I mean he's brought it up in other he's brought up MK Ultra before. But um My point being is that he's talking about this stuff and that uh, language is his weapon and and that that's his only tool, you know, and and his ability to manipulate and his ability to control or to place ideas in people's heads is insane and so all, all, all i'm saying is that i'm not saying that he's not involved i'm saying he is and i'm saying he's just kind of fucking around with the cia almost by by pointing it out well, to his a, followers if he's a operative then that means 
the CIA, he's doing what the CIA wants, which is including the anti-authoritarian pro-psychedelic message. On one level, those things are, it's a relationship, man. I'm sure he, I mean, if he's doing something that the CIA wants, I'm sure he's also getting something in return. He didn't you know? just say they recruited me. He said they moved me into the, into PR, into public relations, which right. is what I'm doing now. Right. So if the they refers to the CIA, then his, all of his lectures, because he said it's, 15 years ago they recruited me all i'm saying is that people aren't all good they people are all bad we obviously know that terrence mckenna has a lot of good to him i don't even know if he's i don't i'm not even convinced that he's a fed or was a government operative but if you interpret that him saying they recruited me and they moved me into pr for the last 15 years that's what i've been doing then that's if that they is the cia or whoever then all of his lectures are his job for the CIA. I mean, there's it's only one or the other. And I, I don't think he, I don't even necessarily don't think he that. was CIA. See, that's the thing, man. I'm I'm just not all. It's only one or the other. It's only everything he's saying is part of CIA's plot to control the populace, or or what. Not or controlled, destabilized, could be anything. Yeah, we'll get further into that. Um, all I'm what, saying is all of the, and my, my perspective is always more nuanced. I, I I would say he is he's talking about a lot of things that are important to him, things that he believes, things that are true and serious to him, but maybe, maybe there's something else hidden in there. Maybe a portion of it is, you know, manipulation or control. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I... Um... I mean, I get, I get you, but I'm just not an all or nothing person. I don't even know if he, I'm not convinced that he was a CIA guy. I know a lot of the guys in the circles he ran around with, like the Huxleys and all these guys, they were admitted involved in MKUltra and CIA and CIA guys. And he was, he ran in their circles. He was friends with some of them, but I'm not convinced that Terrence was even CIA. I, uh, well, let, let me play the Dennis McKenna clip because, um, it's long, but I really didn't want to clip it out so that you really hear it in context and you can maybe assess if you think um, Dennis is a little too pissed off and defensive, which might be suspicious, or if you think Dennis McKenna actually clears the whole thing up, um, but yeah, I'll pl- it's long, Sounds but good. it's long. But let me know what you think when it's over. So you mentioned psilocybin a couple times, and I know that both you and Terrence were, if not the first people, you definitely popularized a, a, a popular method for um, growing growing it. mushrooms at home and, and things like right. that. Your experience with mushrooms and right. for for the audience who those in the audience who are well researched in the history of psychedelics, you know of programs like MK Ultra and the government's attempts to use these pro, these type of uh, tools because they mm-hmm. are tools or technology that can be applied for good or uh, other means. And because of that association, there are those who tend to feel like the promotion of these uh, these tools is always, you know, nefarious in some way, or trying to make people detached to, you know, not care about the world rather than to know themselves better. And uh, one way or another, Terence McKenna's name has been associated with that to some degree, and other and others within the early psychedelic days uh, having associations with CIA agents or. Uh, Definitely, there's some connections to Timothy Leary, and there's just a lot of questions. And obviously, your uh, connection to that scene, and as you know, somebody else involved in that research has brought your name in there. Um, I, I just would like to hear your thoughts on the accusations that you or Terrence had something to do with the CIA, or anything that you may have experienced to shed some light on that. I mean, as far as what, what, how interested was the government in the the early days of this research on psilocybin and all these substances? Well, they were interested in 
all these things, their MK Ultra program, and before that, the you know at the Biochemical Warfare Center at Dietrich Fort Dietrich, Maryland, they've been working with psychedelics really since the 60s, since the 50s. They've had programs, and then when it began to break out into society, they got interested in that and did you know these these experiments that were you know highly ethically dubious like dosing people you know getting them with prostitutes and dosing the the person in a hotel room and seeing what would happen i mean there's not an institutional review board on the planet that would approve that kind of thing <laughs> that's just totally outrageous uh was there a connection between terence or me and the, the CIA. Movement in general, or? I can't speak for the psychedelic movement in general, but I can definitively tell you that neither Terrence. So that was a bit of a dodge right there. I can't wow. speak for the psychedelic movement in general. You, well, even the way he's reiterating, the, even the way he's re reiterating the question is indicative. It, it, it sounds like he's giving something away in There's, his voice. Can you replay that bit? Yeah, there's. It, it seems like there's a there there with Dennis and Terrence, and yeah. definitely Timothy Leary. I Something's. mean, that, Timothy Leary was all over the. I mean, the, the Huxleys, Timothy Leary, CIA for sure. Fifties, they've had programs, and then when it began to break out into society, they got interested in that and did you know these these experiments that were you know highly ethically dubious, like dosing people you know getting them with prostitutes and dosing the the person in a hotel room and seeing what would happen i mean there's not an institutional review board on the planet that would approve that kind of thing that's just totally outrageous uh was there a connection between terrence or me and the, the cia movement in general Pause it. i can't speak for the psychedelic that uh, okay so there's a couple a tell, tell there's a couple tell. tells here yeah so okay so the first tell is that he waits to answer the original question until he uh has a minute to spout all this you know yeah, he nonsense talk, he and talks ridiculous. for like a minute and a half yeah. and then yeah. and then reasks the question reasks the question um and then answers that question um, so, and also when he says Terrence, it almost, when he's reiterating the question, it sounds like he's almost getting excited. Like, like he's like this question in some way, shape or form is exciting him. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds to me like this, whoever this, uh, uh, interviewer is this reporter, he is hitting the nail on the head with this line of questioning. And yeah. Dennis was not ready for this. And Dennis actually went on Joe Rogan's show, and well, I, I, we'll come to that in a little bit. But yeah, let's. This clip's not even a half over, so okay. Prove that kind of thing. <laughs> That's just totally outrageous. Uh, was there a connection between Terrence or me and the, the CIA movement in general? Or? I can't speak for the psychedelic movement in general, but I can definitively tell you that neither Terrence nor I ever uh, had anything to do with the CIA. Uh, um, if you're talking about, <laughs> let me hear that again. That's so unconvincing. Yeah, and then he goes, um, definitively um, tell you that neither Terrence nor I ever uh, had anything to do with the CIA. Uh, um, if you're talking about the Central Intelligence Agency, 
Now, you might say, well, I could crack a joke and say, yes, well, we work for the CIA, we work for the Cosmic Intelligence Agency. <laughs> but then some of your audience might misconstrue that. Yeah. So let me make it clear. He never worked for the CIA, and neither did I. Do you know where this comes from? It's the laugh tell that really gets me. The laugh tell. That, I mean, this is something that's like anyone knows about this. Anyone who's had family lie to you about something in the past and, and laugh about it. Yeah, and it's not always a tale, but it's, I don't know, it seems... Uh, all of these things in combination, yeah. I, I would stake all the money I have in the bank right now. So on, you're more convinced at this point than oh, I am yeah. that Terrence and Dennis were CIA? Oh, yeah. Okay, because I'm, I'm still 50-50 on it, but... No. There's a specific talk he gave where he discusses agents and... Yes, I know where it comes from, and I will dissect that right now. He said in one talk something casually about well i was working deep cover for a while and then they moved me into pr right mm -hmm. and who the they are That's was the, never specified but i can tell you who the they are because those remarks jan Irvin either wasn't paying attention or was taking them out of context or is just an idiot because he's pissed dude he's angry yeah jan Irvin either wasn't paying attention or was taking them out of context, or is just an idiot, because the the meaning of it is clear if you listen to the whole talk, and he is talking about he worked for the mushrooms, the itself, yeah. which he did understand, correctly or not, to be actually a, whether it was the mushrooms themselves or they were representative of an intelligent race that was controlling it, but he worked for the mushrooms. That was the the they that he worked for, and he he was deep cover, and that refers to the years when he was not in public, when he was actually in the basement growing mushrooms as furiously as he possibly could, <laughs> distributing those. That's deep cover, right? Then he decided, well, this this is not sustainable. Sooner or later, they're gonna you know catch up with me on this. So he decided to go into public relations, and he started talking about it a lot more and that's when he became you know the spokesman that he is it's still got a little longer but that to me that explanation while dennis's behavior is suspicious the explanation i could see it i could see that's what terrence meant and he was just trolling a little bit possible terrence trolled so much it's i mean you could really make a lie out of just about anything i i just it seems like he it's too touchy of an issue for him. That's the main thing. It seems like he's hiding and, something. And how long he waited to answer even answer it. How offended he gets. Yeah. Oh, he gets um, he, he once he uh yeah, I'll keep going. He starts talking about Jan Urban, who uh I don't know if you know who he is, but Dennis does not like this guy. But it was he was working for the mushrooms and for Jan to take this and and construe it to mean that he was working for the CIA I mean, you, it's a really tortured uh, stretch that you have to make to make that connection, considering how it was, how it was uh, you know, the context. And also, I mean, his brother, I think I know, and we were involved in all this stuff together quite deeply. I've been to Esalen many times. Does that make me working for the CIA? Jan seems to think that everybody with having anything to do with psychedelics who happened to pass through Esalen was all part of this big conspiracy. Well, that's just utter horseshit. All kinds of people pass through Esalen. 
that doesn't mean that they're all involved in some conspiracy. It's, I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. It's just, it's just such sloppy thinking and uncritical thinking that I can't take it seriously. And I just, when all this comes up, I just feel like, well, you know, pour yawn. I mean, sure. the, the guy needs to, you know, adjust his medications or something. I don't know. Wow. He's seriously deluded. Well, I appreciate you addressing it. You know, I know that there are people yeah. who are curious about that, so I figured we'd at least acknowledge. Well, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I I don't know. There's some so, shady going on for sure. Not only does he... Uh, so when he's talking about the rumors of there being a conspiracy, he doesn't deny the conspiracy. Yeah. Which is one of the first things you would do is say, well, this is all absurd. And they were like saying all of this about all of my colleagues. No, he said... How could every one of these people be involved in this conspiracy, acknowledging the yeah. existence of the conspiracy? Oh, yeah. And the, the first thing he said was, like, I can't speak to whether or not the whole psychedelic movement was a CIA operation. But I know Terrence and myself were involved. It's like, hmm, OK, which kind of plays into. Um, I mean, the uh, the if if MK Ultra got, you know, if they were working on which, it and they, and they released it to the, uh, to the public, which tells you he's being dishonest. I mean, he's being dishonest about this. Um, it's a stretch to assume that what Dennis was saying was correct. It was a correct interpretation of what Terrence said that whoever this Jan guy, he's not stretching anything well, by Jan drawing the conclusions directly from the quote. Right. From Terrence McKenna. I mean, yeah, and it, we just listened to that clip. It, it makes more sense for Terrence to be talking about the some sort of Fed organization. Yeah, it um, seems like it. I'm, um, and Jan, you know, Jan is a smart guy, too. He's, like, been in, big and into botano, uh, botanical research, you know, PhD. He's um, been in, involved in psychedelic studies. Um, he's actually the guy that introduced Joe Rogan to DMT and smoked it with him the first time. There you go. So Jan's not a dumb guy, but I will say Jan, the more, I didn't even pull some of the best example of this, but Jan is, Jan Irvin, kind of a dick. Um, he also, even though he has really solid research showing that um, the Huxleys and Timothy Leary and these guys were all CIA, run around with the CIA and, uh, you know, the Mary Brand of Pranksters, Grateful Dead, like there's all these CIA connections that he, he covers that he can really prove. But um, then he he draws some conclusions that I'm not convinced of. Like Jan Irvin says, Alan Watts was involved in some of this, and then his his evidence for that's a little pretty sparse. Um, right. I mean, I know Alan Watts went to Harvard, I believe, but yeah. But I mean, but Jan has a lot of really good research, um, and I haven't looked into it too much. But I I do know he's got a lot to back up what he says, especially when it comes to MK Ultra. His theory is essentially, um, and he was big into this stuff for a while until he, in his opinion, caught on to what was going on. Um, but he 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 stopped calling them enthogens and starts calling them suggestogens because um, they basically make like uh, make you believe you're it's you're, a, su you're, you're, suggestible. you're suggestible. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of suggestible states. You don't have to use psychedelics to put right. someone in a suggestible state. So his, so uh, his basic premise is MK Ultra continued, and it, that's when once they were ready, they released it to the public. You know, they used the Beatles, they used Timothy Leary, they used uh, McKenna. I mean, it's it's an ongoing thing. Uh, Jan even says they're using Joe Rogan now. 
Um, and he was longtime friends with Joe Rogan. So, um, I just don't see the I don't see the end goal because it seems like eh, okay. It depends what right, you're. Okay. It depends how long. I'll buy it. I'll it depends what it. you're saying. What but you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Like it, I, it, this is a lot of resources, a lot of planning, a lot of. It depends what your end goal is. Yeah. What's I just? I'm sorry. I'm not seeing an end goal. If you're trying to establish a, a you, obviously a there's a lot of that plan. you can combat. Like, are they trying to bring back the whole like awesome. dirty hippie thing? Is um, that what they're trying to do? Are they trying to like? It depends how deep you want to get with it. Like, if you're playing the like, you know how China for you know for the last 500 years they've been playing the long game. They don't plan for like that current generation. They plan generations right. and generations right. out. They play the long game. So if your long game is a one world government, a one world religion would be a great way to establish that. And a great way to establish a one world religion is to normalize psychedelics worldwide, especially if there's yeah. suggestions. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of different angles you could take, but because that's because the thing with that that yeah it, it, that's the thing if they're suggestogens, then they can't be controlled so easily. Like uh, one one sect of people could be taking psychedelics and draw one one uh, group of conclusions, and then another group can you know yeah you yeah get but, what I'm saying yeah but that's where uh, that's where like Timothy Leary who was CIA and whether Terrence is or not where they would come in because they're. Um, but you're right. Like the they were Timothy Leary and Terrence were both very counterculture, very anti-authority. But um, there is a such thing as controlled opposition. So right. And I don't. I don't really know. Um, I don't really have an opinion on this because I've looked in. I mean, I've looked into it more than you do, and I still don't know what to believe. Um, right. I don't even know if Terrence and Dennis are CIA. There's definitely some question about it. I'm convinced Timothy Leary was. Um. But yeah, I, and I don't. Even Dennis's story. Like it's believable to me about what Terrence actually meant, um, but you know, yeah. But, and, and, I mean, it's all believable. And and the thing is, is that it, it it could have all fallen apart. It could still be an ongoing operation. Like, I mean, at this point, it's almost like, does it even matter? Like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Pay attention, uh, obviously. Yeah, question but, everything. Um, Including, yeah, including uh, your gurus, I guess, is the bottom line. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, absolutely. Um, here's uh, this is this is McKenna talking about the sacred mushroom in the cross because this will kind of lead us into Jan Irvin's whole thing. Do you all know the book, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross? He managed to hypothesize one of the most radical theories ever to come down the pike. I don't know how true it is, but his theory is that Jesus was a mushroom <clears throat> and you know this would not probably have cut too much mustard except that the guy was a dead sea scroll scholar of world renown uh, had a, a scholar's grasp of aramaic and uh, akkadian and was fully licensed to be one of the people who tell us what the primary documents of Christianity really mean. The problem was when Allegro got a hold of them, he said, well, what they really mean is uh, that uh, a, a sacramental mushroom was go being grown in caves by Nabataeans down around Qumram, and they called it Jesus, 
in order to befuddle the Roman authorities and created the cheerful theory of the friendly carpenter who tells us to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. And this was all a publicity stunt just to keep uh, the Roman authorities guessing. And he has textual, he claims he has textual support for this. The problem is you have to be an Aramaic philologist to follow the argument. I mean, the argument is unbelievably tortured. Dennis and, McK- and Terrence love using the word tortured. The argument is tortured. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, um, that was basically this clip and the next clip... Um, is just to give you an idea that Terrence and Jan Irvin are kind of on the same page with a lot of things. This is um, Jan on the uh, higher side chats with Greg Carwood, which I actually would like to try to get both of them on. I'd like to get Jan on and Greg um, separately, but um, this is just the beginning little bit of the uh, podcast, but I'd, I'd uh, if you're interested in Jan's arguments, I'd recommend checking it out. It's uh Jan Irvin on the higher side chats with Greg Carwood, but it gets, uh, this is just the beginning, but it gets intense. Like, um, they kind of get pissed at each other because, you know, Greg's a big Terrence fan and Jan's basically telling him that he was a CIA puppet. So they, they, it gets heated. Um, I know as we get into this research that you've done, you're going to ruffle some feathers and, you know, you throw out some information that goes against what a lot of people in this audience probably value. And But I have had several listeners request that I have you on so we can at least talk about it. And, I mean, let's start out at the beginning with uh, John Allegro and his research, because I think it's pretty compelling stuff. And you've partnered with his daughter to resurrect his book, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. But give people a little bit of info about him and what he was all about. Well, John Allegro was a uh, one of the eight original Dead Sea Scrolls translators, uh, a part of the original eight team that was uh, brought into uh, Palestine then, or you know, it was a little sliver of Jordan, I guess, where they had held the scrolls and uh, began translating them. The Jordan lost that area during the uh, Six Day War, I believe. But um, so he. Worked on the Dead Sea Scrolls for years. He was the only one who uh, published his material in a timely manner. He published his material, I think it was in 68 or 69, and none of the others published theirs until the 90s. And uh, they had basically withheld, the others had withheld the the information about the Dead Sea Scrolls and attacked other scholars and then eventually... uh, Robert Eisenman down at the uh, at, at Long Beach here in California, and then uh, there was a doctor uh, out of the University of Sheffield of uh, Davies, I think was his name, and they teamed up together. You know, and it's funny, but uh, Eisenman, uh, if uh, you ask him these questions on camera, he'll scream that Allegro was wrong, and then as soon as the camera shuts off, he'll come up to you and say, "Of course, Allegro was right. God damn it! Why do you, the hell do you think they attacked him?" You know, so don't ever ask uh, Eisenman any of these questions on camera, but uh, give him a drink or two and, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of whiskey. A little bit of whiskey, and as long as he's off camera, he'll tell you everything. So that The reason I played that was just to give you a little bit of, but it, it, definitely check out that whole Higher Side Chats episode, anybody listening, because it's, uh, it's a doozy for sure, and it, it really touches on a lot of, Jan Irvin's work as far as uh, his basic thesis, like I said, is this whole psychedelic movement. Um, 
even up to current day is still part of MK Ultra or an offshoot of it. But mm. um, and then it was weird hearing Dennis Dennis not deny that. But so what? what so but the the reason I played those two is just so you can see Terrence McKenna and Jan Irvin are still on the same page about John Mark Allegra's book, The Mushroom and the Cross, that mm. Jesus was a mushroom, basically. Interesting. I've done I've done a little bit of research into that, and I'm with Terrence. The 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 arguments are very 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 hard to follow. Yeah, because well, like to the outsider, it seems like a flimsy argument, but no one can really read the original text, so it's all faith based. Whether you believe what you know the Catholic Church or which, the Baptist say about it, yeah, or what Allegra says, and he's a he's a more qualified expert than most people you'll hear from about what the Dead Sea Scrolls said. But right, right. But yeah, I don't know one way or the other. Yeah. And I, I'd be interested to hear Jan's perspective on, on, on what what's trying to be accomplished by MK Ultra to this day and 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 what the correct view with the correct uh, approach to all of this stuff is in his in his view. Yeah, he's very passionate about it, put it that way. Mm. Like a, he can he can come across as a dick sometimes, like Sure, <laughs> I get that. Anybody who's too confident in what they believe yeah. can come across as a dick, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, you you can't get through a abs in a six pack episode without an Alex Jones clip, so we've of reached course. that point. Must be the second. In 2011, oh, yeah, my channel was shut down one other time, and it was for broadcast. It was for broadcasting my own interview with Joe Rogan on my channel, and my channel was shut down for over a month because of that. And now my live feed has been shut down and this video pulled. I can't say it was because of him, but, uh, you know, for warning kids from away from doing drugs and, you know, I've got over 20 years of research in psychedelics, ethnobotany. I've renamed them to suggestogens because they cause hypersuggestion. And, uh, you know, I think it's absolutely absurd. What, what community guideline was violated for warning kids not to do these substances i think he makes a valid point he's been shadow banned and and banned from just so much stuff well what what of his point do you think is valid explain what's why is it a copy why not why is a guideline content violation to warn kids against doing psychedelics why would your channel get uh taken down for a month because of that is that why it got taken down yeah it was he um if he posted his own copy of the Joe Rogan podcast interview. Oh, yeah, that's that was the... Uh, he's I mean, had several strikes. That was one strike as he posted his old, like, really old... Because he was on Joe Rogan back in the day when him mm -hmm. and Joe were still friends. And uh, in that interview, he basically... Um, he tries to explain to Joe... I should have... I didn't even think about it. I should have pulled some of those clips from that. But he tries to explain to Joe, like, look, like... Psychedelics can have a benefit, but like they've been used for MK Ultra, and I think they're still being used for MK Ultra. And he's like trying to point out, like you know, the CIA connections, everything, and and uh, all um, all Joe wants to do is basically that was the last time he was on the podcast, probably the last time he talked to Joe. Joe just basically like says he's full of shit, even though he was the one that introduced Joe to DMT and all that. Joe gets pissed about it. Well, yeah, I get that. I mean, I, it's. Just because he introduced him to DMT doesn't mean that his opinion is more valid on DMT. You yeah, know? but he's uh, studied it, and he's like an ethnobotanist and done actual, like clinical research with psychedelics for a long time and stuff. So he's not a... Um, 
I just didn't. I don't like how Joe shuts stuff like that down, and, what, and he just changes the subject. He want he doesn't even want to talk about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, always have the conversation. That's it's like when uh, when you don't have the conversation. Yeah, it's like when Eddie wants to talk about like nine eleven or something, and like, especially back in the day, like Joe would just not have it. He would just like change the subject. Or right. There was even one time where they stopped tape in the middle of the podcast when Joe when Eddie was talking about the QAnon and um the FISA court and them spying on Trump. Joe's like, I want to hear about this, but I got to pee. And they ne- usually he, he, they'd talk to Jamie, just leave tape rolling. No, they paused the podcast and then they come back and they're talking about something else. It's like, mm-hmm. right. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so go ahead and reveal for the first time ever uh, when you got Joe Rogan to take DMT. Well, we were at Joe's house and in, in, uh, his house in uh, Bell Canyon and uh, this was, like I said, 2003, 2004 in his little movie theater that he had there. And, uh, you know, he, I had been doing research on it and I believed all the hype by guys like uh, Professor uh, or Dr. Rick Strassman, who uh, did the DMT, the Spirit Molecule book. And he's really the one that hyped all of this originally and his book, which you can't verify really any of it because it's behind confidential uh, uh, research reports from the people who participated in his study, which was funded by the Scottish Rite Freemasonry. But uh, uh, we were at uh, Joe's place, and I don't remember who went first, but there was a guy, Johnny, there also. And we all just took our turns. You know, it's, it's you know, you do kind of see some bizarre sort of demonic uh, world. A lot of people claim to see elves and and different sorts of creatures in there. I saw a sort of a checkerboard sort of world with round and different shaped uh, objects. Shaped Which, like again, is very Masonic, very, very M.C. Escher. Yeah, well, they're, they're, yeah, yeah, they're true that. And uh, but uh, Eddie Bravo actually kind of had a bad trip. And, of course, Eddie Bravo is a, a fighter, and uh, he's the only guy who took down uh, Horsey Gracie. And- so if... Um- if you're going to have a worse time and it's harder to handle the higher your IQ is and you have a good time, the lower your IQ is, which was Terrence's theory, then I guess Eddie Bravo's the smart one out of that group. Uh, that's not, no, that's not, no, that's not Terrence's theory. Well, he said you're going to have a harder time with these things if you no, have no, a higher no, no, time. No, no. He said it seems like they don't do anything. He said people. both. He said he, both. Like, like he said, they, they don't the, understand the, what's going on. So it's like basically just a lot of lights and noise and flashing. And, you know, right, it's like right. you don't have a perception. And then once you have if you have a high enough IQ or just just if you have a if you can grasp the spiritual better, then you'll handle it better. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have a better time or a worse time or I mean, that, that's not really those, what Terrence said, though. He said, uh he definitely didn't say that you have a worse time the more intelligent you are. He said you're going to have a harder time handling it. No, that's the exact opposite of the point he was making. The point he was making was he that said, it, he said, you won't he be said able to handle it if you're lower intelligence. No, that's the, no, we can go back and play the clip. Yeah, he but, said uh, you won't have a good grasp on it. Um, yeah, he said, he said both. Um, let me finish this clip out and then I'll see if I can right. find that one. We were Sounds good. fight back then. Uh, jiu-jitsu and uh, you know uh, he didn't have a good experience he started trying to fight I was glad that Joe was there because at least Joe knew jiu-jitsu to try to uh, help control Eddie from going uh, speaking of berserk on us 
But, uh, you know, so... Uh, well, repeat you know, what you told me, though. Because you, he was in his prime then, and, I mean, he was going to unscrew both your heads. Thank God Joe talked well, about I it. Mean, well, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he was... He just wanted to fight in general and fight everybody Well, you everybody said, quote, we're lucky he didn't break both our necks. Yeah, we're, we're, we are lucky he didn't break both of our necks because, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm no jujitsu fighter and I couldn't have taken Eddie on. I couldn't have talked him down. So I'm glad that Joe was there to be able to do that. <laughs> Eddie. All right, let me see if I can find this. Talking bugs. If on all YouTube. you've got is awake and asleep, you can't go far with that. But if you've got awake, asleep, and DMT as points, you can build a much more dimensionally rich model of consciousness. I think that it, it's, it has to do with your own intelligence. Uh, truly stupid people aren't interested in psychedelics because they can't figure out what the point of it is. Uh, it feeds off intelligence. It's a consciousness-expanding drug. If you don't have any consciousness, it can't expand it. And I've met people who say, yeah, well, all this stuff and big bugs talk to you and say strange stuff. You say, yeah, well, you should have paid a little attention. Uh, I mean, it, it's amazing to me how people don't seem to, like, the, the, the less intelligent you are, the less challenging the psychedelic experience becomes because the less capable <clears throat> of entertaining the implications you are. Because you just say, well, yeah, a lot of bright lights and there's some talking bugs and spaceships and I don't know, uh, you know. Well, you know, it's because they, I guess it's because those people are so ingrained in cultural values that they assume it's not real. Okay, so yeah, he, he said mostly what you both. said, but yeah, yeah. I guess you can interpret I, challenging. I heard what you're saying, yeah, yeah, challenging. It wasn't necessarily uh, bad, but challenging, right? Because I mean, it makes a lot of sense if if you don't have the the mental capacity to to you know have, just just like to have when deep any thoughts. yeah when anything happens in in a person's life you know be it a catastrophe or something like that everyone's going to react differently to the same stimulus right so right. some people might be able to take more meaning out of something than someone else you know with a different sensitivity true you know, but he doesn't even realize the level of research that I have in MKUltra and these guys. Yeah, if I was you, I wouldn't worry about all these little guys, okay, that are all trying to have their own deal. We have the Washington Post on screen. CIA infiltrated 17 area groups, gave out LSD, okay? Uh, Theodore Kaczynski was in the MKUltra mind control program. A bunch of the professors you list are admittedly in programs funded by DARPA and the CIA. Timothy Leary admitted it all, that the whole thing was run by that. Absolutely. So, so, so uh, again, they want it down because they are now proliferating, quote, self-help groups all over the country under different names that are practicing classical mind control to try to induct particularly wealthy people into their church. That's what it is, okay? This is all about power. And all about, you take, you're not on ayahuasca, you're not on DMT, but you get somebody into it who's never done it, and then you, they think you're God. They think you're their shaman. They worship you. This is the oldest thing. This is what Charlie Manson did with LSD and his cult, period. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, for me, the whole like Jan Irvin and Alex Jones argument on one side, and then you know the um, pro psychedelic, pro McKenna, Dennis McKenna, pro Timothy Leary, all that argument on the other side. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, I think there's some fishy stuff going on with the whole thing, but I don't think it's uh, all bad or all good. I agree. I think it's uh, it it's has more to do with an individual basis. As to whether or not things are going to be, you know, negative or you know, positive. Yeah, but there are definitely be wary of uh, be wary of uh, the wolf in sheep's clothing aspect of the whole. Of course, Le- Timothy Leary is the best example of that I think. Uh, right. Even like pro, really pro psychedelic people say he discredited the whole movement. Really. Uh, yeah, I get that. I mean, that's true on one level. I mean, I. Just, just be leery of anyone who is too confident that Timothy they have the leery. truth. Yeah, be Timothy leery. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, but but really, I mean, anyone who is convinced that they have the absolute truth is lying to themselves and to you. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. This. I mean, I didn't really think about it till now, but this almost did turn into a part two of our. Uh, MK Ultra podcast in some ways, yeah. Um, I mean, it ties in for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you were you were saying earlier, like, what would the motive be? And I could see a bunch of potential ones, but um, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you in the sense that it seems like they'd have way better ways of manipulation than that. But that's probably only one of a hundred that they have if they still are using like psychedelics. I mean, the, the the problem is, is that it's just too, like I said earlier, it's just, there's too many variables with psychedelics. I mean, I, I definitely see it as a method. I can definitely see how uh, psychedelics could be used to manipulate or mind control or brainwash on an individual level. I mean, for sure. I mean, like I said, you don't need psychedelics to brainwash somebody. You got uh, hypnotism, you got, you know, things like with, uh, I always, my mind always goes back to Sirhan Sirhan and Bobby Kennedy and the fact that that dude, I mean, has no memory of killing that guy and, or of killing Kennedy. And, you know, that kind of mental manipulation and brainwashing in combination with psychedelics. Right. I mean, just imagine the kind of damage you could do to somebody. You know, but it's it's two sides of the same coin because on one side you got the possibility for damage, but you've also got massive potential for growth and and and, and healing. Yeah, on the other side. it really does come down to like the per- the intention of the supplier and the taker. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it just had me wondering too. Like when I first heard Jan go on about suggestions, it's like how much of my worldview was dictated by hearing what alan watts or terrence mckenna had to say right it's well and that's where i'm comforted is because i know that even with these things possibly being suggestions my own it seems like it holds up still well, yeah, my, you have my, a, my filter is pretty good you yeah, know you have I, a bullshit meter yeah, for certain things yeah you know and 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 so a lot of the things that they've said even if some of it's you know not correct. Uh, yeah, I've already taken all the benefit out of out of um, you know you know um, yeah out of just hearing the the ideas of all of them, mm-hmm. all those guys. Um, 
and I, I just, I don't know if some, I think I might just be coining a new term just to counter Jan's, Jan Irvin's term because he calls them suggestions. In a, in a way, they're also de-suggestions. They right. de- deprogram. Exactly. I mean, so. that's 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 the first way that they seem to make their impact on the right. uh, initial user is that it, it's like it deprograms you. You know, you have one way that you're of looking at life. You're convinced that things are rigid, that things are uh, dead or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And then you take these substances and it dramatically and quickly shifts and alters that view. Deprogramming. Technological romance. All right. Um, got two more clips this is the last one. And you let us go. I actually kind of left this one. I left this in here just because I thought it was funny. I don't think there's really anything it adds other than being funny, but it's from the same interview. <laughs> All right. And you let us go on there and have Joe say, oh, he's attacking Sandy Hook families right now. He's going to be taken off air when I'm not doing that. It's the left's attacking families and doxing the Catholic youth and saying, go attack them. And then they won't take the Twitter down. So see, so see, Joe's just, oh, I'm Alex's friend, but he's crazy and nuts and full of crap. And, you know, uh, yeah, you know, he's being sued, so he can't be on air. And, you know, the censorship's okay, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just supposed to go, oh, that's okay. You're just the advertising arm of a giant DMT cult, an ayahuasca cult operating across the U.S., and now transnationally, so I'm just going to sit here and let you sit up on your high horse and explain to me how the cow ate the cabbage. I'm just going to roll over and die while you crap all over me. No, that's not how it works. Absolutely. Same thing to me. I mean, you and I, we're both friends with him. I was friends with him for almost a decade, and, you know, same same stuff. And uh, he thinks I'm just going to roll over and uh, watch him, you know, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> defame me slander me uh you know claim that my research is is bogus that he he disproved it with uh with dennis mckenna etc it's nonsense they haven't all they did was name call use appeals to ridicule have uh hit pieces ran is yeah so it's a big big rivalry but now alex and joe are buddy buddy yeah now i think jan nervin thinks alex is a sellout because of that i don't know whatever they they sound like a bunch of grown toddlers. I mean, both sides. To be honest, so did Dennis when he got yeah. mad. Oh yeah. I mean, and but right there, I mean, it sounded like they were just like, I'm convinced of something, and I'm gonna just try to paint this to make it fit my narrative. Honestly, is is I got a little bit, a couple whiffs of that attitude. Yeah, and whiffs of that with uh, Dennis's explanation for what Terrence said. For sure. It's, uh, it's oh for uh, sure. Yeah. Both, both like I said, both sides make good points on the, on this issue and both sides are kind of love the smell of their own farts on this issue as well. So that's why I really don't have a huge opinion on it, on whether or not Terrence was CIA or even whether or not the current day, um, psychedelic movement. I mean, is man, still for us, nothing is sacred, dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's so what <laughs> it's like, how does that change my uh, philosophy? It's fun way, to you know. talk about it. Though. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Uh, here's the last clip I got, and this one, this one is creepy, dude. This is, um, it's a little long, but I just kind of like the Dennis one. I wanted you to hear it in context without, you know, that way it's not chunk clips, you know, chunks of it. Yeah. But um, even even though I don't necessarily disagree with everything, I definitely disagree with a chunk of what Terrence McKenna says here. But just listen to this and tell me this isn't the creepiest shit you've ever heard. Yes, I've been saying for some time that, and the mushroom pointed this out to me, 
If every woman had only one child, the population of the planet would fall 50% in 40 years. 50% in 40 years without war, revolution, coercion, anything else. Now, when you suggest this to people, they say, well, didn't they try that in China and it failed? Yes, but you have to think about a couple of things. First of all, a, a child born to a woman in Maui or Malibu or Manhattan, that child will use between 800 and 1,000 times more resources in its lifetime than a child born to a woman in Bangladesh. Why do we preach birth control in Bangladesh? We should be preaching it on Maui, Manhattan, and Malibu because the women in those places are highly educated, socially responsible, global people and therefore are the population most likely to respond to this suggestion. If 15% of the women in the high-tech industrial democracies were to limit their childbearing uh, to one child, within 10 years, certain pressure indicators on the planet would begin to move away from the red and into the black. So I think that we have got to deal with this question of population. There are clearly too many people. And one woman, one child, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a psychedelic advocate to understand the impact of that. If okay, so what do you think so far? I mean... Borderline Bill Gates. Yeah, for uh, sure. Soros, I mean, globalist, is, eugenics. Yeah, yeah, straight up. He's just suggesting uh, population control. Yeah, it gets, it gets better. Yeah. The population of the Earth were cut in half everybody alive would be twice as wealthy. It's possible in 120 years that we could reduce the Earth's population to a billion. Hmm, Georgia Godstones, Agenda 21, very globalist, they want it to be under a billion. Very healthy, very comfortable, very well-educated people. Okay, that's part of what the mushroom said, and I think it may seem radical in some circles, but not oh, here, think? perhaps. It also said something else, which I rarely mention, but since you brought it up, there are not only too many people, there are too many men. And I would be very interested in seeing a set of social policies, tax incentives, medical policies, insurance policies put in place to limit male birth. Fuck you. It's very yeah. rare in mammal populations that you have a 50-50 ratio of male to female. And in fact, it's well known that male infants are less robust than female infants. And the reason we have a 50-50 sexual ratio is because we artificially support males and withdraw resources from females. I suspect that in the high Paleolithic, the ratio was closer to uh, two to one. And my supposition in thinking about this is probably that the best ratio is about three to one. Uh, this is the way to 
feminize the human race if you're serious. This is the way to advance women if you're serious. <laughs> then what you have is less men, women whose uh, dedication to the reproductive activities is confined in time to the amount of time it takes to raise only one child. This would be tremendously uh, solitary to our problems. I've never heard it advocated, even by the most radical lesbian feminist yada yada. I've never heard anyone say male birth should be limited, but it obviously should, and through an amniocentesis and this sort of thing, we can steer ourselves toward a population with the predominance of females, and those females should have only one child, and 75% of those children should also be female. What the hell was that? And then that was a slimy beta male uh, yeah, grin, wants- grinning as he uh, convinces all of us to fall for his plan to have all of the women. That's exactly what I was going to say. He literally <laughs> wants a world where he's just got way more women to pick from. He wants only 25% of the population to be men, and he wants everyone to have an only child. Yeah, so he, he wants he wants a world where uh, guys like him and Bill Gates uh, <laughs> have as many women as they want. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope he's not on the Bill Gates like level of like probably a pedophile. That's what it sounded like. Well, I mean, as far as pedophilia oh, goes, pedophilia. I but I mean, nobody throws out kids. I, I mean, if, for all the faults I have with Terrence, I hope he's not like on the like I'm, hanging. Out. He, I, I'm not thinking. I didn't so. see him flying out to Epstein Island or anything. No, but uh, no, but yeah, and also. A one-child policy, 75% of them female. All these kids would be spoiled brats like most its only children are. And then it'd be like, a, it'd just be a bunch of spoiled bitches, like, oh, the whole next generation. It'd be horror. That was like, that is like not very, only creepy. Have a very whiny future yeah. ahead. No. Not, not only creepy, but just a horrible idea. But it's just like, and I understood some of his logic, but it's like, damn, dude, like, that's that's eugenics. That's, that's what that definitely is. something we should be talking about and be aware of. Yo, I think we need it. The eugenics need to be more in the discussion when it comes to <laughs> oh, when it comes to awareness of people who want eugenics because it's oh. be, it, like that group of people is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's tied in with just like globalism. Uh, it's, it's tied in with the climate change agenda twenty one. It's all like we you know Greta Thunberg, uh, George Soros, Bill <sighs> Gates. It's all it's and Terrence. Terrence had a, mostly great things to say, but when he would start talking about like climate change and freaking, you know, that what I would consider what he just said, eugenics, I'm not, yeah. I'm not on board with any of that kind of stuff. Makes me nauseous, man. That was that was a creepy rant. Yeah, that was. I'm I, with you. That was creepy. Um, but yeah, man, I guess we can wrap it up. Sounds good, man. Well, all in all, conclusion. Terrence, Terrence shaped my life in a lot of good ways, but. Uh, Pay nobody's attention. nobody's perfect <laughs> pay attention to your heroes you know yeah yeah man uh but this was fun and yeah we'll uh we'll tack on an ending to this one with caleb uh sounds later good. on probably probably uh let him listen to it and we'll do a recap with him sounds good yeah man um peace out we'll see you on the next time Alrighty. get y'all the flip side